0: to the out of the box podcast we're so glad you're back we're so glad we're back sort of it's gonna be a weird couple weeks we'll talk about it more gray robertson tom canterbury this is a disjointed show in some ways because our schedules for the next two weeks are insane including tonight this monday night so we're recording both monday and tuesday monday over zoom tuesday maybe in person honestly it depends on how long baseball goes i don't know all I know is I'm just glad I don't have a 25-mile-per-hour wind blowing in my face. Tom, do you agree?
1: Yes, that is the most important thing. We are inside and can actually hear and talk to each other. No windscreen necessary, because if we could block the wind, we would have down in down in Youngsville. Just block the wind. You got to do so Well, sir, we oh, have to watch the game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh... I promise
1: you, if we could block the wind, it would have been blocked.
0: We would have turned it off. If I had a direct line to Mother Nature, it would have been done. Here's our trip around the bases. We will start at the plate and talk about that trip to Louisiana, which we have a lot of thoughts about and somewhat mixed feelings about. We will advance to first. Look at the SEC. Do we feel good about Tennessee after going 3-3? and That'll be a question we discuss once we advance to first. Eh, I don't know yet. We'll debate it when we get there. Yeah,
1: the debate (laughs) is upcoming.
0: Right. We'll steal second with Tara Henry. Then we will round third. So as we record on this Monday, I'm going to dinner with Jen Schroeder and Emily Petek, And we're going to play a game. Tom, again, as we've said many times, has a wife and family. He can't just stop everything and commute an hour for dinner. But
1: (laughs) I've been gone for the last five days. It would not go well if I said, by the way, I'm leaving again. (laughs) So
0: Jen, Emily, and I are going to play a game that we will share once we round third so i'm looking forward to that tell them hello for me i will finally we will head home off the wall people so much so much off the wall i'm thinking about cussing this week tom i mean come on what are we doing (laughs) we'll get there we've also of course in a much more joyous segment got tom's hungry and what a segment it will be what a trip it was down in louisiana
1: man yeah we could have complained we complained about the weather did not complain about the food consumed that's for sure
0: no knocked it out of the park every single day it was the montana fouts of hawaii of good bull of whatever else we've said over the years kind <laughs> of, of cajun
1: trips. food of cajun yes. food oh my gosh it's so good
0: Okay, as always, follow the podcast at out of the box underscore pod. Like, share, subscribe, leave a review. Next week, we will not have a show at the beginning of the week because we've got games on Monday. I have baseball Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we leave for Baton Rouge. So there's no time for that. So there you go. Right. We're going to do an on the road show as previously announced at some point in Baton Rouge. That'll be released on the weekends. Stay tuned for that. It'll probably be a shorter show because we'll just react to what we're seeing that weekend live. Now, Tom. Alabama goes 6-0 and on a trip to Louisiana, including a win at Louisiana, a run rule win, and then another win over Louisiana at the Mardi Gras Mambo at the end of a trip. And in between, kind of a mixed bag, like uninspired softball, but not any games where you felt uncomfortable. It was just, it was kind of a weird weekend all, all the way around.
1: Yeah, I think you saw Alabama play its best in the two games against Louisiana uh, somewhat surprising, obviously, when you're playing the competition, you're playing that your two run rule victories were both against the top the number 20 team in the country. But yeah, it, it was just a it was a tough situation because again, the conditions were especially in Youngsville, were just not very good. Uh, you were dealing, you were playing on a converted baseball field with temporary fences that for some reason were 215 down the lines and 230 to straight away center field. A home run was was very unlikely. Uh, especially when you're playing on some of those fields where the wind was blowing straight in, straight at your face. You had to kind of uh, manufacture a little bit, play a little bit more small ball, which Alabama did. I think they finally found their groove and knew how to do that completely on Sunday against Louisiana in the second game. But we're just trying to figure out how to do that, uh, playing playing against some junky pitchers that you're having trouble uh, finding really solid contact against. So, yeah, I would, the, the games against... LaTeX Tech and uh, Northwestern State and uh, some of those, you know, not not anything you're going to write home about. Uh, but I think there were some definitely some positives out of the entire weekend.
0: Yeah, I will say the point I made on the broadcast. You know, when the committee looks at these resumes, they do not care if you beat Louisiana Tech two nothing or fifty to nothing. They just care that you don't lose it. So yeah. as long as Alabama avoided that, they'd be good, which they did, and you still get out undefeated. Let's talk about the highlights. Montana Fouts your SEC Pitcher of the Week again. Mm. It's the Montana Fouts SEC Pitcher of the Week award going to Montana Fouts. (laughs) 3-0 and with a save, 17 innings, five hits, no runs, six walks, 28 strikeouts. Opponents hit less than 100 on the weekend against Fouts.
1: Yeah, she was just outstanding. She was obviously the best player there, you know, when she was called upon, even on a day when you were hoping going into the day that you wouldn't see Montana Fouts pitch at all. She ended up having to pitch in both games and got a win and a save in those games. You know, I, I thought it was a really impressive performance that she was able to do that again, despite, you know, considering the conditions. You know, the some of the opponent may not be at the highest level. So, you know, if you're looking at it, what's the big deal? She looked really good against Nickel State, but, you know, it's, it, I thought it was just a, a really good performance and what needed to be done at that time.
0: There used to be a narrative that Montana didn't like pitching in cold weather, but this might have been her best collective weekend of pitching that we've ever seen just across yeah. multiple days. And, uh, yeah, so that narrative, if it still existed, which I didn't think it did is firmly dispelled now.
1: You would certainly think so. And she is just, we, you know, we, we talk about it during the broadcast, you know, and we're not kidding. Like she is the space of softball. She is probably the best player in all of the sport right now. So it's just going to be really important, uh, for Alabama to, uh, to continue to give her run support, because that way she's not pitching with absolutely no margin for error, but it, it's it's really interesting, and I kind of felt this way on Sunday, that once Alabama got runs, got just a couple runs, got three runs in the fourth inning, I felt like it was you know game over, and then Alabama went ahead and got those five runs in the in the fifth and, and ended the game early. When you get have that opportunity, to the Montana fouls, it's great to go ahead and do that for sure. Let's talk about
0: the offense. Your team leader in batting average for the mardi gras mambo plus the ull game sorry louisiana didn't mean to slip that in yeah. abby door oh no. 14 for rbis a double a 556 obp but i've said it on the air i've said it on twitter moment of the weekend for me against louisiana at lafayette in that park with that raucous crowd twice abby door drew walks after going down 0-2 Incredible. You would, now it sounds like a small thing. It sounds like a what? Oh, come on. Like a, anyone in Alabama should be able to do that. Abby door last year would have struck out twice, both times. She yeah. has improved so much and we are seeing what Patrick Murphy was telling us back in the fall ball media days episodes that we did.
1: Yeah. It's great to see her just maturity and improvement that she's made. Uh, just say a totally different hitter and a, uh, a batter that you're again. you. When you're making, you're making the lineup. Well, Abby Dorr is definitely going in it one way or the other. And it's great that she was able to catch a game or two too this weekend uh, so that she can spell Allie Shipman as far as that goes too.
0: Anything else on offense, Tom, really stick out to you. I like Bailey Dowling, five of 14, six RBIs on the weekend. Prangy hit three of 13, which is less than 240, but her OBP was still at 500. So I'm, I'm cool with her being, you know, still in the top half of the order. We'll get to lineup changes later on as we continue at the plate, but anything else stick out to you, Tom?
1: Yeah, I like Bailey Dowling's especially performance on Sunday because there were times this weekend where she still looked frustrated and still was looking like she was trying to figure out what the issues were. Uh, but what she was able to do on Sunday, I think that that is going to hopefully be her, her springboard to where she's able to uh, be Bailey Dowling moving forward. Uh, so I was really impressed with that. And I thought Dallas Goodnight did a really good job in the leadoff spot for most of the weekend as well. Continuing to get on base, even when she's not getting hit, she's getting walks and she's on base at least half the time. And that's what you want from your leadoff.
0: Injuries. <sighs> Can mm. we just ever have a year where everything goes perfectly? No, uh, this such is such as life. All right, uh, we will start with Jenna Johnson. So that seems to be all cleared up. You know, she had a little twinge. Patrick Murphy decided to give her a couple games off. She honestly, you know, Alabama was fine. She She didn't have to be in for those games that she missed. She came back and, you know, she had a pretty solid weekend hitting two of eight. I, I don't foresee any complications going forward unless something changes before this weekend.
1: Yeah, I would think so. Just continue to monitor, which they're going to be doing anyway. Obviously, when she had the knee injury she had last year, it's just going to be something you have to continue to monitor. And, and she has to be diligent and, you know, smart. Whether If she feels anything, let everybody know and they can make adjustments if necessary. Savannah Woodard hurt her ankle.
0: In batting practice before the Louisiana game, the first one on Thursday, she wasn't available this weekend. We don't know a timetable. Uh, perhaps we'll hear from Patrick Murphy before the UAB game or you know, via the lineup or just something he says in the interview. But uh, Savannah Woodard being out opened the door for Cat Grill. And I thought Cat Grill played really well in Youngsville. Obviously, we hope Sav is available as soon as possible. But it puts an interesting wrinkle in that right field competition.
1: It does, because, you know, like you said, Kat really, I thought, performed really well. She had a game, I think, was it Louisiana when she was in the field but didn't bat? Yeah, that's that one in Lafayette. Uh, But then she batted the rest of the rest of the weekend, and I thought did really well. You know, drew walks, laid down a couple, laid down a sacrifice or two, and also had a a big double as well against Southeast Louisiana, uh, which might have been a home run most other places in, in normal conditions, too. So, kind of show that she has a little bit of power. She has that pop that we saw when she was in the FGCL. And it kind of just gives you a little bit extra oomph uh, there in the in the nine, eight, nine hole, wherever Cat's going to bat. So uh, I was really impressed with Cat Bill as well.
0: Finally, Lexi Kilfoyle leaves the game against Northwestern State. Uh, I missed it at the time you said that after she ran it out uh, where she reached on an error that she looked a little gimpy afterwards. We saw her pitch an inning. After this apparent injury and go three up, three down on, I think, six pitches. Yeah. And then she was pulled from the game. We do not have an update on that. Uh, All we know is what Patrick Murphy told us and told you before the Louisiana game that it was something in her foot and that they were going to get it checked out, presumably today on this Monday. We haven't heard any results as of yet. So it's purely speculative. And we certainly hope Lexi Kilfoyle isn't out for a very long time. But if she does have to miss time. Now it's on Jayla Torrance and Alex Salter to pick up that slack.
1: It does. And, you know, Alabama – last year Alabama had six pitchers, which probably was too many. This year they have four pitchers, and I kind of wish it was five. I wish there was one more because now you're you if Kilfoyle is out for any period of time, you're down to three. Uh, but one positive about that was I thought Jayla Torrance – looked outstanding this weekend. I thought she looked really good, had the Had the game against La Tech where she went two and a half times through the order, had a, had a shutout, uh, got into a little bit of a jam with a runner on third in the sixth inning. So they went ahead and brought in Montana just to make sure, because Alabama was only leading one nothing at the time, uh, go ahead and make sure that runner did not come in from third. I think if the game was 3 nothing at the time, they probably would have left Jayla out there to, to try to work herself out of it. But I, I was really impressed with what she was able to do all weekend. And I think if she does have to step in as the number two for a, for a little while, if Kilfoyle is out, I think Alabama is going to be okay.
0: I agree. I, I, I liked what I saw from Jayla Torrance. Her variety was good. I thought Torrance looked good. And I think Alex Salter, you know, her down stuff to me looked really good. It was when she tried to come up in the zone, in my opinion, that the team started to see her a little better. Yeah. I think with experience, she will just get better and better. We have to keep in mind, she's pitched like five games in her career. So, and right. not everyone is going to be a Montana Fouts rolling right out of high school. Sometimes people need to develop, Tom.
1: Right. And it, and it could be a situation where, you know, you can tell somebody, are right, we got to be ready all the time? You could go in at a moment's notice, but it was still not a situation where she thought she was going to be pitching right at that moment either. So it would have been one of those situations. Maybe she wasn't quite a hundred percent warm, like, like, like you want her to be and that's going to be a learning experience for her that as she you when we say be ready literally be ready at any point you have you'll be ready to go in so hopefully that's the case when she has had the starts and known she was going to go in at least the first one or two times through the order i think she's looked very good it's getting that third time if you're going to go extended periods with her that she's going to have to continue to improve
0: so as we continue on here at the plate i would like to point out before we dive into this weekend alabama has seven batters above 300 here this year There are two above the Mendoza line that are below 300. That would be Bailey Dowling, who's Bailey Dowling, and three-time All-American Kaylee Tao. This offense is shaping up to look exactly like I thought it would in the preseason. You've still got some high averages, Dallas Goodnight hitting 425, but everybody else is just kind of in a clump in the high 300s, mid 300s. And and that, to me, is a recipe for success for this team.
1: Yeah, Especially when you have two people like Allie Shipman, and Megan Bloodworth, we haven't even mentioned either one of them. You know, they're right now tied for the team leading home runs. Sally Shipman has 18 runs driven in. Up and down the order, Ashley Prangy as well has has contributed a whole lot from the plate. It's just great to see Alabama having so much success from top to bottom. Uh, even if somebody does have a, have an over for day, it's usually not two or three of them right in a row. So you know, It's one person maybe here, but then with the seven holes having a bad day, six and eight are usually picking her up. So it's, it's, been, it's been really impressive to see, and hopefully the Tide will continue to be able to do that um, with some more stronger pitching coming in.
0: Yes, this week and this weekend, Wednesday, UAB at 6 p.m. Central Time on the SEC Network Plus and on, of course, the Crimson Tide Sports Network. And it will be us that is broadcasting on SEC Network Plus, Tom. You wow. can't get rid of us. We're right.
1: everywhere. <laughs> Even the people that are streaming to get away from us. No, we're back. You can't get away. <laughs> Plot twist surprise. <laughs> yeah. oh, they will the- hear about out-of-the-box underscore pod, much like the people along the uh, the parade route who got some koozies and some stickers. And I'm sure we have new listeners now today because of it.
0: I hope so. The farcical, I was just yelling at families, vocab words, and throwing farcical <laughs> stickers at them. Just, you know, trying to educate the people of sure. America. That's what we're here for. This weekend, we've got the T-Mobile Crimson Classic, The marquee matchup in terms of time and matchup is Friday at 6 p.m. Central time, Alabama, Texas. Uh, I'll have TV. You'll have radio. They play again Saturday at 2.30. Saturday night, Miami of Ohio and Alabama at 5. And then Sunday at 12.30 p.m. Central time, Miami of Ohio and Alabama. An interesting weekend. Texas, I mean, we're going to talk about it with Tara later on, I'm sure. Texas has been up and down. They've looked okay here this weekend in a, a home tournament. They looked Horrific in Clearwater, but they're so talented that they're the kind of team that no matter how bad they look right before you play them, they could turn it on at a moment's notice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you got to think with, you know, they're com- coming into the number two team in America to their home home spot. Alabama's going to get Texas' best shot. So the Tide's going to have to come out and, and play at a high level to be able to beat Texas, regardless of what their record is or if they're ranked or not. And then Miami of
0: Ohio. The worst stat in the world is Courtney Veerstra's current season line. Tom, I've shown no. you this multiple times. I, I'm
1: it, very excited to share this.
0: It gets worse every game. A 1-3-5 ERA. Now, this is Courtney Veerstra. Brian Rice said last year at the SEC tournament, she was, quote, one of the best pitchers he saw all year. A 1-3-5 ERA this year.
1: Well, that sounds uh, great. It's, it 1-3-5. is great, Tom. Well done. 0-4. Oh. And four. Ooh.
0: How? Well, 20 and two-thirds innings pitched, 20 hits, 22 runs allowed, four earned runs allowed. Oh, Ladies, defenses, back up your pitchers, unless Catch. you're playing Alabama this weekend.
1: Right. Catch the ball.
0: Like, have you ever seen anything oh. like that, Tom?
1: I've never seen a line like that. That's, that's crazy. Ugh. 18 unearned runs in the third week of the season.
0: How are you Out in 4 with a 1-3-5 ERA?
1: <laughs> I mean, I've seen sometimes, you know, you get toward the end of the season and you play a mid-major team or somebody comes in uh, in the midweek and they have, like, the pitcher has given up 74 runs and 50 are earned or something. I can see that, but that's usually in April. I- I've never seen that in February.
0: So we'll see. Maybe. Hmm. I, I don't know. You, you hope if you're Alabama that that trend continues because Veersher is very good. And and I I just want to alert people that the 22 runs is not indicative of her talent. The four earned right. runs is.
1: But what, what do we say if you're always if you're trying to beat a top team, pull the upset. What do you have to be? Got to be clean. You got to be sharp defensively.
0: So, I don't know why I keep putting this on the rundown. We're about to advance the first, by the way, here on the Out of the Box podcast. Lineup changes. It changes yes. every freaking day. And right.
1: Yes. Lineup changes. Yes, it does. Correct.
0: I guess the one question we can debate is leadoff with Jenna Johnson versus Dallas Goodnight because Patrick Murphy talked about, you know, in the preseason how Dallas Goodnight struck out a bit too much in the scrimmages to put her at leadoff to start the year. And Jenna's looked so good there. But then also Dallas filled in while Jenna took a few games off this past weekend, Dallas looked incredible. So where, where does this fit in? Do you maybe have Dallas lead off against Miami of Ohio and Jenna lead off against Texas, but
1: there's a bunch of different ways to play it. I think Dallas outside of the 0 for three with three strikeouts game against Keely Richard. I mean, I can't think of too many other games where she's had multiple strikeouts. So she's done a great job of cutting down those strikeouts. She's taking the coaching uh, to heart, as far as that goes, the only thing that I would say why you may keep Goodnight in the leadoff spot is if you're still a little bit worried about Jenna Johnson's injury slowing her down just a little bit. You may want to put a full speed Dallas Goodnight in-, in the leadoff spot, and then Jenna Johnson, who continues to hit well for power and everything else too, go ahead and leave her at number two. Would be what I would think, but again, I'm uh, probably wrong.
0: We often are. I mean, <laughs> so
1: we'll see. Yeah.
0: If uh, I, I would assume that if she's good to go this weekend, you'll see a, a healthy mix of Woodard and grill and right field. If not, it will probably be mostly grill with maybe a Jordan Stevens start slipping in mm-hmm. there. But, you know, a- again, the order itself, it's, it's tough to have an yeah. issue because Patrick Murphy's throwing a lot of combinations in there and they pretty much all worked.
1: Yeah, and it'll be, the one thing that'll be interesting to see, Bailey Dowling moved all the way down to the eight hole uh, for that Louisiana game and then had probably her best offensive game overall of the year. Do you move her back up to where she probably should be? She should be more of the meat of the order type hitter, but with her struggling, you you know, move her down, take some pressure off her. Do you push her her back up all, you know, right away? Or do you maybe leave her down for a game or two toward the bottom to make sure that she's gotten everything kind of back where she wants to be and then move her back up?
0: My gut says move her up to say six and then further up if, You know, she continues Mm -hmm. to have a hot bat, but again, another thing we'll find out when we get there. Another question I'm not really sure how to answer right now is pitching rotation for this weekend. You know, there are two ways to operate here. Is Lexi Kilfoyle going to be able to play or is she not? If she is, then you've probably got Montana Lexi against Texas in those two games and then Montana or whoever you start first in one of the Miami games and Jayla Torrance in the other one. Alex Salter is probably your starter against UAB on Wednesday. If Kilfoyle is not available, then you've got a scenario where it's probably Salter on Wednesday. Fouts game one against Texas, Torrance game two against Texas. You could potentially go Fouts, you know, game one against Miami of Ohio, but you might lean Salter there, and then have Fouts pitch on Sunday against Miami of Ohio.
1: I think if, if you're doing Salter, I think there's still a chance you could see Jayla pitch on on Wednesday against UAB. But if you do Salter on Wednesday, this is if uh, Lexi is not available, uh, Salter on Wednesday, Montana, Jayla, and then some combination of Montana and Salty again against Miami. I, I think you could see uh, Salty get a pit, get a starter at least against Miami and kind of go a, a combo, her and Jayla, or her and Montana depending on the day.
0: Never have we gotten to those bullet points and had so many, I don't want to say questions, but really no idea what to say about it.
1: There's several different ways you can go. And some of it is just unknown based on who's going to be available for you. Is it a situation where, you know, if Killfoil is available, but you don't want her to pitch as much as maybe usual, then you, you gotta you gotta have every either several things you gotta take into consideration.
0: What a great week it'll be, Tom.
1: <laughs> it will be. It'll be a good time. It's gonna be Uh, Great weather. I'm very excited to be indoors and be 80 degrees. The party at Rhodes is going to be rocking.
0: We will be in the radio booth together on Wednesday for the first time. And maybe last time, I don't know what the heck is going on. and My TV schedule is crazy. Uh, oh, and we've also—I didn't even put it down. We got a Monday game next week against Eastern Illinois. On the yes, so that—that's actually another wrinkle to throw in on the pitching discussion, which maybe impacts when you have Alex Salter pitch as well, because that would seem to me like a scenario where she would get the start.
1: Probably so. It all goes. To, so if you're maybe if you're holding salt, salty back for that Monday game, then maybe it's Tana Torrance. Tana Torrance say that five times fast
0: I I will not sir because I hope we'll be able to play but again we've to too. look at all the scenarios and you know right now we don't have any answers hopefully we will by the end of the week
1: I don't think there's any reason to necessarily push it if there is a if it's a you know 60 75 percent situation for Lexi like if, if she needs if she needs a little rest if she needs a week off a week off this might be a good time to do it
0: oh yeah no look You know, we've joked in the past about committees not caring what you do in conference play, but Alabama has done enough in the non-con that if you don't sweep Texas, it is not the end of the world. You know, if if you drop a game to Miami of Ohio and go three and one on the weekend, you're still going to be fine. You might drop a little in the polls, but let me tell you something, people, the committee looks at a lot of things. They do not look at the D1 softball top 25, the ESPN.com top 25, or the coaches poll. None of that is considered for the NCAA tournament.
1: No, and then when, in even when in those situations and in, in those polls, we see teams lose and you know stay the same, if not go up, depending on what else has happened all the way all around them. Uh, that's one thing is that when we when we look at Alabama, I know a lot of Alabama fans. We look at we look at Alabama in a vacuum, but what happens around Alabama also can, comes into account on where they end up being ranked. And then ultimately, the rankings don't matter because that's not what the committee looks like looks at anyway. They don't care. All right, we've put it in play, Tom. Who are we? You know what? This week, when she had a home run just absolutely robbed from her because of the ridiculous dimensions, I think we should be birthday girl Kaylee Tao.
0: Home run, Rob. She did have a home run at ULL, but... Yes, she did. Come on. Come on. Why are they t- too stupid? Just
1: You can literally make them whatever you want them to be. Why not make them pretty much standard? All Nobody. right,
0: we're the birthday girl Kaylee Tao. and we come back, we'll advance the first. Tennessee... Boy, it's a saga. We're going to cover all that. Plus, Arkansas, Mary, have questions still abound. That's next here on the Out of the Box Podcast. <sighs> Welcome back to the Out of the Box Podcast. We're advancing to first Gray and Tom, in person now. Right.
1: The the magic of podcasting. Yeah. We're now in the same room.
0: Usually, what we do is record and post. Like it is right. a one night event. This week, two nights because our schedules are nuts. Right. This is maybe the busiest two or three weeks possibly ever. I saw you looking at my schedule for March. My gosh. There's like, there's nothing for me. Right. And I no. live alone. You
1: have a wife and kids
0: <laughs> and another job. So yes. This is a lot of fun. Yes. <laughs> so we're in the same room, advancing to first and talking about the SEC time. So many ways that we could start, but we have to begin with the Tennessee Lady Balls. We discussed this when we were at the plate a little bit. Can you feel really good after a three and three weekend at the Mary Nutter? The losses were to Oregon State, five two, nine to eight against Oklahoma, the at the time undisputed number one team in the country in 10 innings, and two to one in eight to UCLA, another undisputed top five team. Right. What do you think? I mean, Ashley Rogers pitched her heart out. Mm -hmm. The offense got to Jordy Ball. No one's done that this year. And yet, still couldn't quite
1: close the door. Right, yeah. I think you can feel really good because Rogers looked like her back to her 100% self, so hopefully that she's okay and able to move forward. Uh, So I think you're good to rely on her. I think you got to feel really great about being able to get to ball, scoring the runs on Oklahoma. I know it's a frustrating way to lose the games that they lost. Uh, You can discuss, you know, some strategic issues maybe in the late innings in both of those games.
0: Yeah, Ashley Rogers in the Mary Nutter had a two-five-two ERA. She threw 22 and two-thirds innings. Yeah, I guess she's fine. She seems okay. Yeah, very impressive. The team batting average is still last in the conference at 257, but I think Kiki Malloy is the best all-around center fielder in softball right now with what she can do defensively and at the plate. She's already got seven home runs this year. That's second in the conference. She's sixth in RBI. She uh, can mow people down from the outfield. We saw that this past weekend. So if you've got Kiki Malloy, you've got a weapon. The problem is she can only bat once.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's, you got to get everybody else to continue to back her up. Similar to what, say, Kentucky has with Kowalik. You have to have everybody else producing as well. And we haven't seen that consistently from the Lady Vols, but I think we started to see it come around some out there at the Mary Nutter again against a a ridiculously hard schedule.
0: Yeah. So Tennessee holding pattern. Does that feel safe?
1: Yeah. Maybe, you know, I think maybe trending up just that, you know, things may not be going as towards disaster as, as much as we thought it might've been. Yeah. Uh, I I think one, you got Ashley Rogers back and then two, you perform so well.
0: Right. That's a team that is going to be annoying. I think speaking of annoying, Missouri has been the fly in the ointment for the SEC for years, and now they look like a contender. At least they did coming in. There were two weeks of mixed bag results. Yeah. We weren't sure how we felt. I thought they looked great at the Mary Nuttery. Four and one weekend. They run rule Washington in the trademark Gabby playing game. That's awesome. And they were down 7 nothing to UCLA, came all the way back almost, and lost 7-5 against Megan Faramo. I mean, that's no small feat in and of itself. I was pretty impressed.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that shows a lot, too. You go down to somebody like UCLA, 7 nothing, and you know, you're know you just one run away from a run rule. It would have been easy to just kind of fold the tents and say, all right, we had a good week, just kind of ran into a buzzsaw here with the Bruins, but uh, they didn't do that. They, they, they fought back. I think that's that says a lot about them as players and and uh, the coaching staff,
0: too. 276 team batting average. That will get better. I have no doubt about that. Interesting weekend for the Florida Gators in Orlando. So, the pitching was like incredible for the first two weeks. They had a 0.4 something team ERA. They were first by a wide margin to Alabama. And then they go to Orlando and give up some runs. Now, not a ton early on, you know, give up three to DePaul, one to Oakland, four to JMU. JMU hung around a little longer than I thought. And then the UCF game, a 12 11 win for the Gators in Orlando. Now, impressive they got the win. The amount of runs given up, a little alarming. Also alarming, Elizabeth Hightower not seen all weekend. There were reports that she was, quote, not 100%. That is a that is as softball as it gets yeah. <laughs> in terms of vague status reports. <laughs> we'll keep an eye on that going forward.
1: Yeah, that's, again, this is a sport that does not discuss injuries very much at all. And when the person he would probably say is the ace of the staff is not there at all kind of rough to not have any type of designation of what the injury was but she being out could lead to a game like that against UCF where you know the uh, Golden Knights are going to give you everything that, that they got being going against Florida what a weird and wild wacky game yes really fun to watch yeah UCF has to feel like they had a great chance and
0: just couldn't quite close the door Kendra Falby Hitting 519 this year, 16 stolen bases. I believe that still leads the country. Charlotte Eccles, remember when we were talking about how bad she was playing? Right. Yes. She's now second in the conference in RBI. Goodness. Right. Skylar Wall sitting 419. Hannah Adams sitting 462. So the top of the order, not an issue. The bottom, you know, still somewhat a mixed bag. But the Gators, as a team, are second in the conference in batting average.
1: Yeah. So they're they're doing one. They don't rely on just one person, even with as good as Eccles is. You know, they have more of a team around her to begin with, and then they're all – everybody is producing really well for them here right now.
0: Texas A&M
1: loses two tight games to
0: Oklahoma State. The schedule on the weekend at – I believe this was the Reveille Classic uh, was a nightmare because Texas was dealing with colder temperatures than even we were in Louisiana. Not fun. No.
1: Cold weather in Texas, I don't understand. Uh, I've never
0: seen it. mm a loses 1-0 to Oklahoma State and loses 2-1 in the second game. Ellish goes complete. The team ERA is second in the conference at 1-1-7. Herzog looks as good as I've seen her in a long time. 30 innings this year, a .23 ERA. She pitched her butt off against Oklahoma State. AM just couldn't figure out Kelly Maxwell. So the question becomes the offense. We know that they're going to be able to pound everybody else, but when they face that I don't want to say elite pitching because it's elite pitching for a reason. You shouldn't be putting up a bunch of runs, but can you at least score something against those ranked teams that
1: you'll face? One thing I will say though, I think Texas A&M, similar to Tennessee, I think despite losing the two games can probably feel okay about it. And and maybe even a little bit better than you did after just destroying the, the other teams that uh, were mid majors, if not low majors, it was the first real test that they had and two tough losses, but they, they were certainly there in both games. So. Uh, I think if you're A&M, you, you can be encouraged by this weekend, even though he took two L's. I agree. And Haley Lee, a just, I, I mean, what is
0: she doing? A 706 OBP? It just drops by the week. I, I wow. Go, how, yeah. Come on.
1: Jeez. Get better, Haley. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Aggies are going to be an interesting team. Remember, Alabama goes there. That series, I feel like, is getting tougher and tougher by the weekend. I'm excited to go just because it's an awesome facility. Yes. And,
1: and we'll eat well that weekend.
0: too. Camp out in the visiting radio. <laughs> in South Carolina. you a brutal week like brutal just I mean what else can we say 0 three at home lost to Miami of Ohio five nothing Miami Ohio is not bad but you know it's a loss and then you lose to Virginia Tech five three they shouldn't be shutting out an SEC team at home no. they also lose to Ohio State six two. Ohio State pretty average Big Ten team so 0 three no real terrible losses But also, you don't pick up any wins. And like we talked about last week, if you're South Carolina, you got to pile something up in the non-conference because conference play is just going to be a doozy
1: for this team. Could not be worse for South Carolina this week to take those three L's and maybe my picking them 12th in the SEC was too high. Maybe. 8th in the conference in batting average, 12th in
0: ERA, 13th in fielding percentage. And they're not playing ranked teams every
1: weekend. Right. That's the issue is that – you can kind of excuse some of the losses of some of the teams like Tennessee uh, that is playing the, the the ridiculous schedule that they are. South Carolina has a schedule that they need to have to be able to pile up those wins, and they're just not getting them.
0: Right. I mean, South Carolina's losses this year, North Carolina, Charlotte, Miami of Ohio, number seven, Virginia Tech, and Ohio State. Yeah. I mean They should be in, at worst
1: three and two uh, over those five. Yeah.
0: Not ideal. Nope. Arkansas, so last in the conference in Team ERA at 417. An interesting weekend for them as well. They had to cancel some stuff at the Woo Pig Classic because of weather. They were down 5-2 on Sunday to Louisville. Come back and win 8-5. On Monday, they play a doubleheader. In the first game, doesn't go well at all. They lose 8-4. The pitching struggles in that game. They tried to come back. They had you know a couple pinch hit homers late to kind of make it a closer score than the game really was. Then, destruction in the second game of the doubleheader, 14-0. So, Arkansas, to me, is in full Enigma mode. Mary Half's ERA is a 3-2-6, which is way too high for her talent. I will back up the point that I said last week. I think she misses the certainty of autumn storms in that bullpen to help her out if she struggles. The offense is doing fine. Daniel Gibson is hitting a ridiculous 600. Ellsworth hitting 432, Gamble hitting over 400, or actually right at 400. But I don't know what to make of this team. I honestly don't.
1: No, and uh, as long as that ERA is that high, they got to be able to pitch better to be able to be a contender in the SEC. That's for sure. Uh, They don't have the offense that was just, you know, bludgeoning people like they did last year to be able to offset that type of an ERA. Like you said, they have some players that are playing well and, and they are hitting the ball. But not to that level that they were last year, and you've got to have the pitching to to complement it, and they just don't have it right now. And are they going to be able to win some games, maybe eight seven that type of game? Sure, but you know they're they're going to lose a lot of three or four nothing games, yeah. Uh, if the pitching doesn't improve,
0: weird to see Hannah McEwen hitting just two thirty one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I feel like she's been the most consistent on base presence at Arkansas for the last fifty years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it feels like she's been there for 50 years, but
1: still weird to see that. I'm sure that number will get better. I would think so. And then, yeah, you know, KB sides as well. She's only batting 243. Now she does have an OBP of 442. So, I mean, she's getting on base at the top of the order, but you'll be looking for a little bit more from her.
0: LSU, a weird weekend. Yes, they won all of them, but they were losing to Stephen F. Austin and then beat Drake three to two, had to score late just to force extras. You know, Shelby Sinceri doesn't look like she's pitching all that great, ERA 227. Uh, again, a team that we really couldn't get many eyes on this weekend because they seem to be playing right as Alabama was playing every single time this weekend. The offense hitting 291, Pleasance up to 196. I still don't really know what I feel about LSU. I think we're just going to have to see how they look when they face
1: really elite competition again. The problem is they're not taking care of the business against the non-elite. You know, like you said, they had to go to extras to get the win over Drake. Uh, Stephen F. Austin had had a lead over them as well. You know, when, when you host a tournament in Baton Rouge and Stephen F. Austin, Drake, and Purdue, that should be you know, probably four run rules yeah. and, and others that are not even close. So I, I still think that they are struggling despite getting those wins. And Not where you can really um, trust them yet. Auburn.
0: So they do what they're supposed to do down on the plains. Auburn, I mean, just really loading up on the high RPI games (laughs) here in their home tournaments. They had ULM, Delaware State, Bradley, Syracuse, and then another game against ULM. The Bradley game, they just won 2-1. Didn't really put away ULM a couple times. But honestly, my bigger question, Tom – is the pitching. Like, we know how good Shelby Lowe and Maddie Penta are. They have both thrown over 43 innings this season. They're second and fourth in the conference in innings pitched. Behind that, Samantha Yarbrough has seven innings, and that's it. Now, there are a lot of games on the schedule. I'm not sure how long and tangible the plan of just throwing two arms the entire time is. There's no reason for Lowe and Penta
1: to pitch so many times in a tournament with a field like that. Absolutely. I mean, I would think that when you have that field coming in, at least two of those games should be Yarborough starts and, you know, much less just having her come in to replace Lower Penta. There's no reason for you have to, for you to be throwing Pinta or Yar, or Low against Syracuse. I mean, no. come on.
0: Power hitting, very strong, 22 home runs. They're already <laughs> right there with last year's entire season total. Will it stay on? I don't know. I mean, again, honestly, top to bottom, the schedule hasn't been all that impressive. They faced three unranked teams in Clearwater, handled their business there, Mm -hmm. beat a Texas team, which the more we learn, the more, I don't know how I feel about Texas as a squad. Yeah, And got run ruled by UCLA and have run through their home tournaments, which is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, But I feel like they haven't passed a big test for me yet. Georgia does a nice job. They don't lose at a home tournament yes good well done well done beat north carolina beat bryant batting average at 362 that's third in the league madison Kerpix and Britton rogers have really toned down the eras Kerpix now just barely above one rogers at 236 she was at six after opening weekend fielding percentage fourth they were the worst defense by far in the conference last year so you can already see jt domico's impact there yeah georgia pretty solid you know i can see them being a
1: 15 16 seed or a really tough number two seed you don't want to see because when we saw in the the preseason polls and stuff seeing where georgia was ranked well we all thought it was way too high uh we'll see if it, it can kind of maybe was more justified again you congr- you didn't beat you didn't lose to north carolina and bryant that's we're gonna, we're gonna have to see a little bit more
0: yeah other teams though have not right been able to say that exactly. in their home tournament right. so good on you georgia Kentucky dominates. They go 4-0 in a pretty weak field, outscoring opponents 37-9. to Team batting average at 379. That's first in the league. Lauren Johnson is hitting 533 with 16 RBI. Kowalik, 489, a 667 OBP. She is literally getting on two-thirds of the time. That's that's just ridiculous. It is sport of failure. Right, <laughs> yeah. What the heck? And Aaron Koffel hitting 462 with 26 RBI, which is
1: first in the conference we're seeing Kentucky when given that opportunity sometimes against weaker opponents they are just absolutely laying it on yeah
0: and they always have I mean it's kind of been their deal but we get to the pitching Mm. who's pitching who is pitching for Kentucky well hmm. I didn't really learn that much from this weekend Stoddard 22 and two-thirds innings Schoonover 22 innings Locatena 16 and two-thirds Locatenna's ERA brilliant 0. 0.42 wow Stoddard and Schoonover over 24 you know it is what it is again though I kind of need to see how they do against better teams right now you look at it they played Virginia Tech and lost 6-1 they played at Arizona and won seven6 but still gave up six runs. So those are the two ranked teams they have faced, and they've given up an average of six runs. So how does Kentucky look when they face those
1: consistent offenses? We'll see. In a shocking development, we still have questions about Kentucky. Yeah. podcast theme, time. Right. Despite, real, I mean, a, a really great start to the season for the Wildcats. But again, you're, you're looking at the strength of schedule. Probably not that tough overall.
0: Mississippi State lost another home game. Now, I am not one to laugh at someone for losing to Olivia Lackey in South Alabama. <laughs> But South Alabama is not very good this year. No. They're 4 and 10 after this weekend and Mississippi State lost one nothing to hot Olivia Lackey, which, you know, that sounds sounds familiar. I know. But this is not right. the South Alabama team that we saw last year who made the NCAA tournament. This yeah. team will need to go on a run
1: to even have a chance to sniff the bubble. Right, yeah. So you're just asking where is the offense around Mia Davidson right now for the for the Bulldogs because that was the one thing we kind of thought Well, they're going to have the offense. Will they have enough pitching to be able to complement it? But they haven't
0: really had either right now. Ninth in team batting average. I've written it down here. Mia Davidson is first in the SEC in home runs. She's hitting 429, but the team batting average is 295.
1: Mm. It's a big drop. Yeah. Team batting average and team ERA both ninth in the conference. Yeah. And fielding percentage is 12. Yeah. That equals some L's. It's not great. No.
0: Finally, Ole Miss, they get walked off by UCF, which, I mean, who hasn't? (laughs) It happens. They did win four on that trip. Team ERA, still a little high for me to be excited about it. Team batting average, quite low, despite Bree Roper and Tate Whitley both hitting over 450. Tate Whitley hitting 520. Fielding percentage is fine. I mean, all these numbers are pretty average. I'm still not
1: confident in Ole Miss. Still don't really know what their team identity is. Yeah. Um, and we're still looking for that. It may be conference play before they before they are able to uh, discover it or, or reveal it, one or the other. So big SEC games this weekend. It's a smaller list.
0: There's not a ton of mm-hmm. exciting action. Thursday, Michigan at Kentucky. Now, Michigan has really struggled to hit all year, especially against ranked teams. Kentucky, we just talked about it, has allowed six runs on average in the two games
1: they played against ranked foes right something's got to give here you would think so i think it's a a good test for kentucky to kind of measure where they are we've seen a michigan team that we know they have really good pitching can they get enough hits to complement it you know it's a it's a tough matchup i think for both of them so we'll see we'll see which one comes out on top
0: this weekend is the lsu louisiana home and home last versus ull Mm, what will go down (laughs) thursday is in lafayette So that's exciting. We'll talk more about the second matchup in a second, Tom. But I'm curious what Louisiana is going to do. We saw Kendra Lamb twice in the games Alabama played against the Cajuns. No Sam Landry, the very talented freshman. Upon further reflection, I'm really shocked. She never came in at any point against the Crimson Tide. She did pitch that weekend. Will LSU throw Lamb out there, their experienced ace, or will they give the freshman a shot against a rival who lives
1: just down the road? And then we saw Shorman start on thursday and then she came in relief on sunday uh, against alabama so is she more of a a pitching more in the pitching plan when they play teams from the sec right because because she's seen them when she was at kentucky maybe that has something to do i don't know interesting point yeah so it'll be interesting to see how that goes and i think that's a good measuring stick too for alabama compared to lsu how they do against the common opponent.
0: All right, let's pick a Friday matchup. As we always do, what sticks out? I mean, there are some repeats on here. Not a, like you said, there's not a
1: whole lot. It's pretty uh, light. Yeah. Loyola Mermont has had a uh, – they've already beaten one SEC team this year in Mississippi State, and they get A&M out in, at the Judy Garment in Fullerton. So, just one that can, A&M needs to win, uh, but they can't just roll their helmets out there and win it.
0: I will take Troy and LSU. They play twice on Friday. Leanna Johnson can beat LSU. LSU should not lose – to at least to Troy, you know, Louisiana, it's a free for all in that rivalry, but (laughs) they shouldn't lose to Troy. Right. Otherwise that's another so, so loss at home. You can't afford those. Mm -hmm. If you want to be a top eight seed or, you know, around the middle of the top 16 Saturday, my
1: eyes go immediately to Texas A&M UCLA immediately. that's a, you know, a double header for A&M. They get to play Utah first. And then UCLA, Utah, a team that you know hung with Oklahoma out at uh, the Mary Nutter, and now they're playing in the Judy Garman. So that, that could be a, a very – could be a good doubleheader, and good Saturday for AM and m or things could go off the rails a little bit.
0: Also, that is the day of the Baton Rouge game between the Cajuns and the Tigers. And then on Sunday, Texas A&M Arizona State is the only one I have written down. Right.
1: So that should be a fun one.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's time for Gray's FGCL Corner. Obviously, the rules still apply. Seven nominees. I had 14 possibilities. Wow. Had to cut some Mm. hard cuts. Mm -hmm. Previous winners, Bailey Richardson, Georgia State, week one, Michaela Enfield, week two, Florida State. Here are your week three nominees. Stormy Kotzelnik, Louisiana, nine of 19, two RBIs, two doubles, four walks, and five runs scored. Bailey Richardson, Georgia State, she's back. Eight of 17, 9 RBI, three homers, two doubles, a walk, and five runs scored. Devin Howard at Liberty, 10 of 12. That is an 833 average, four RBI, a double, a walk, and four runs scored. Taylor Johnson, NC State, 6 of 11, 545, seven RBI, three homers, two doubles, two strikeouts, five runs scored. Jordan Dale, Oregon, 10 innings pitched, five hits, five runs, all earned, five walks, 11 strikeouts, but did have a combined no-hitter against Long Beach State. She threw in six of the seven innings brie roper ole miss eight of 16 four rbi a double two walks two strikeouts and three runs scored and finally danielle romanello oh wait sorry That's, she's our friend now too. i know it's a, it's, a, it's a reflex it cuts deep it does danielle romanello and she gets that by the way we've okay. talked about okay. it right san diego state Five of 18, 278 average, five RBI, a home run, three doubles, a walk, eight strikeouts, and a run scored. You look at those numbers and you say, Gray, what the heck? Right. You cut some people who were hitting 480 (laughs) for this girl. Mm -hmm. Well, Danielle Romanello had the game-winning two RBI double in the top of the seventh to win 7-5 over Washington, by far the biggest win of the year for San Diego State, a game that was back and forth that Washington kept fighting back It would have been easy for the Aztecs to just say, you know what? We tried, Mm -hmm. but they didn't. And it was Danielle Romanello's hit that gave San Diego State that top five win.
1: All right. So I got to pick two. Yes. I'm going to say, hey, if anybody ever beats Washington, I'm a fan of it. So I'm going to go Danielle Romanello and 10 and 12. My gosh. Devin Howard from Liberty.
0: Danielle, I enjoyed our talks on the 4th of July, (laughs) but Devin Howard hit 833. 833 she's our winner yeah good call. i mean good call. what the heck who how why in what <laughs> world Devin howard your week three fgcl player of the week congratulations well done do you see it over there the sign mm-hmm. in this shoe box of a recording studio <laughs> we've got the sign green light guys on the go it's time to steal second when we come back tara henry will be here from d1 softball from the Bruin bubble from acting we'll talk about all that when we get back here on the out of the box podcast Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast, Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury, kicking it old school, doing everything over Zoom here for this interview and parts of the show, as you've already heard. And we're sealing second with somebody who can actually do that. Most of our guests have either thrown out people trying to do that or admitted that wasn't me. We've got Tara Henry from D1 Softball, repping the D1 Softball hat, one of their best writers. They've got the D1 Softball podcast uh, and, of course, a part of the broom bubble. Tara, hello. How are you?
2: uh hey guys uh i'm great i mean it's monday we're taping this on a monday am i I allowed to say that Uh, oh yeah good because it's been why it's been a wild monday and i'm just really happy to see your faces it's been a while
0: yeah i know we've missed you and uh and you know what a what a crazy start to the softball season it's been uh i there are so many places where we could start but we're going to start with oklahoma tennessee we were on the air and let me tell you tara I was giving out-of-the-box podcast scoreboard updates pretty much after every pitch. I'm sure at some point Tom was like, Gray, take a break. Oklahoma, Tennessee was incredible. It, we were tracking it like we were calling the game ourselves. 9-8 Oklahoma wins in 10 innings. Once the dust finally settled and the thousands of people cleared out, what do you feel like was the story of that game?
2: You know, I think we're going to look back at that game and – it's something we're going to probably refer to a lot because I think you, we were able to see that there's a little bit of chink in that armor or that sooner armor. Um, And, you know, sooner faithful, be upset to hear that, but also they should be happy in that. Gosh, that team, they're never out of a game. And I thought, you know, the greatest part about that is I actually sat next or stood next to Ralph weekly for most of the game. And that was, an incredible experience. I'm not a huge fan of crowds. And let me tell you that place was packed there. You could not, you could not get anywhere. You couldn't walk from one side of the stadium to the other. And we can talk a little bit about that later. Cause I know there's a bit of an uproar about it on Twitter, but you know, just an incredible, another incredible game to see and watch in February in front of, they told me about 5,000 fans, and I believe it because it was four, five, six deep back on both, down both lines.
1: Mm. Wow. And then you take a look at what Tennessee did on that day. They played Oklahoma and UCLA, took them both into extra innings, ended up losing both games, but a heck of a performance by the Lady Vols. What do you think that that says about what Tennessee has, even with Ashley Rogers still not back 100%, I would assume?
2: You know, I was very – Happy to see Rodgers back in the circle. He had that scare back at St. Pete Clearwater, uh, Elite Invitational. And to look at that schedule, I don't know who decided for them to play OU and UCLA on the same day, but what a great opportunity for that team. They're the young kids to get some uh, invaluable experience. And Kiki Malloy lights out. I am the biggest Kiki Malloy fan there is, and I have been. Gray, you know, she was on my fantasy team last year for D1 softball fantasy league. So, huge fan of Kiki Malloy. And I think Tennessee is going to be a team that's going to cause a ton of trouble in the SEC this year. Uh, and, you know, they've had some down years. We talked about it, but Aaron Edmondson, the lefty, you've got the southpaw as well. Uh, I think that was a great addition to the staff. And a healthy a healthy Ashley Rogers is something that, uh, in terms of SEC play, They're going to do some damage.
0: Kiki Malloy lock for a first round pick this year in the fantasy league. Would you say?
2: I'm not going to say that because I feel like somebody's going to take her, but yes, of course. If somebody doesn't get her, if somebody doesn't take her by my pick, which I believe is the eighth pick of the draft, she's going, I'm taking her. So if you take her great, I'm going to, I'm going to remember that. I'm,
0: Writing that down. I mean, you did win last year. So that's why you have the eighth pick of the first round.
1: <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. If she's available and you don't take Montana fouls, so I'm going to be very upset.
0: <laughs> Alabama defense, first round pick. That's it. Yeah. There you go. 100%. <laughs> All right, Tara, let's talk more about Oklahoma. You mentioned, you know, kind of a chink in the armor. I wrote down on this round, uh, rundown. It was exciting to watch all the action that Mary Nutter, especially with Oklahoma, because it was the first time this year we've gotten a look at the Sooners and thought, "Oh, they're mortal. They can be. They can trail. You know, teams can get on top of them at times." Tennessee outhit Oklahoma in that game. Utah hung around for a very long time, and Utah is a team that we didn't think was all that great coming into the year. Fair analysis.
2: I think that all are those are all solid points, Gray. And what I might add is obviously. The big draw this past weekend was Aloe and that home run trace. And the fans were so mad when they were walk intentionally walking her. But then that gives Kinsey Hansen, who hits right behind her, the opportunity to get the job done. And Tiari Jennings, I mean, I know we talk about her, but I don't think we talk about her enough. She quite possibly might break the home record before her senior season with the way she's going. So that lineup, it's just, there's not a break in that Oklahoma lineup. Yes, we saw that they are not that, you know, they are human because I always equate them to almost gladiator gladiator like status because they also look like gladiators when you're watching them, but they still have that fire. They still have that ability to come back and and get the W no matter what. So uh, just excited to see kind of how this all plays out and and see if who and what is able to upset them.
1: Let me ask you about your Bruins. Uh, last year, Megan Framo only gave up 11 home runs all season. She's already given up nine this year. A few losses early on, uh, something you don't normally say with UCLA. Obviously, the, the injury to Aaliyah Jordan as well. Uh, how concerned are you about UCLA moving forward?
2: You know, I would say last week I was a little bit more concerned than I am this week. I think Holly Acevedo, has really stepped up and done an incredible job just picking up the pieces. You talk about Megan Franville, giving up home runs. She throws the ball. She throws hard. And I think she, there's a, a part of her that maybe was pressing for a bit, but then she comes back and she's got 18 K's against Tennessee who just put up what, how many runs on OU? So yes. Was I worried about the Bruins? Yes. But Honestly, at the end of the day, I think they're going to be there in the end. They, they've got incredible talent, and they've got a coaching staff that's been there. They've done that. And Megan Framo will step up when she needs to step up. And you've got Shaw as well, Lauren Shaw, the lefty. So having Holly Acevedo prove that she's able to stick in games to throw multiple innings through the lineups multiple times I think is a huge win for the Bruins not just to Megan Framo I think Kali Acevedo is going to be a key piece to them making it far into and hopefully into um to Oklahoma City
0: gosh Oklahoma's good UCLA is good I'm shocked Alabama's good what a crazy world of parody we live in Tara Henry joining us here from D1 Softball Tara let's talk the Washington Huskies hmm what an interesting weekend it was two and three at the Mary Nutter They only score eight runs in the five games. They had a 10-0 run rule loss in the Gabby Plain game, trademark, out of the box, underscore pod. What do we make of the Huskies? Because two weeks ago, I asked Jen, after watching opening weekend, oh, that offense, that might be able to mask the need for a number two. Last week, you know, we talked to Amanda about it, and she said, well, I don't know. I mean, this week, you know, they didn't look as strong. And now, I don't know where Washington fits in.
2: You know, I think the bats have gone a little bit cold. We've talked about this. I actually watched the Mizzou uh, playing game. I know that there was a lot going on, but I was sitting watching that game and, you know, it is an incredible offense. I talked to Larissa Anderson after the game. She said when she was preparing for the game against the Huskies, you know, she she herself was a little bit nervous because of the offense and then turns around and the sophomore crings goes in and throws a one hitter against that offense when you know sammy reynolds i think she'll she'll come back you've got a bailey clinger bailey's always gonna hit and they just they just aren't gelling uh, right now and i think again it's february and well last day of february almost um but i think towards the end of the season, that's going to change. And they're going to be able to make adjustments because that, that lineup is, is an incredible lineup, uh, you know, one through nine, but you've got some young kids in there. And I think, you know, them figuring out where they fit and those pieces and how they fit together, it's going to be um, a challenge for them. And if Gabby's not on, they're going to run into some problems.
1: And you mentioned the 10, nothing, the run rule loss to Missouri that we're talking about, want to ask you about the Tigers there. Uh, kind of struggled a little bit the first couple of weeks, kind of up and down, uh, but looks really good out in California. Uh, what kind of statement do you think Missouri made uh, for the team that I said is going to finish second in the SEC?
2: Oh, you did you say that? You I said. Did. That the second? Yeah. I mean, to be I, fair, go on. I was going to say
1: they they come to Tuscaloosa for the last uh, series of the season, and I think the SEC is going to come down to that series.
2: Okay, I like that, Tom. Actually, I when I said I spoke to Larissa after the game. It was funny. She said, you know, Tara, we've been indoors. We've been indoors hitting under lights, bright lights. We haven't actually been outside able to be on the field hitting outside in in the sun, let alone the California sun. So she was actually really complimentary of her offense in that they were swinging at good pitches. It wasn't like they were swinging out of the zone. They just weren't they just weren't hitting the ball hard. And it almost as in that, that Washington game, they, everything kind of came together and you saw the Mizzou offense that we were used to. And that is highly likely. It takes some time to, as a, as a hitter to get back in the swing of things. And if that's the Mizzou offense that is going to keep continuing throughout the season, I would agree with you, Tom. I think, I think that's going to be a huge series when they, they do get to Tuscaloosa.
0: I mean, we've been calling Missouri the fighting Larissa's since she got hired. And I loved, personally, that the fight came out against UCLA. The Bruins took a 7 nothing lead. I was about ready to close that stat broadcast. I was going on the air for women's basketball, and I didn't for some reason. And I look later, and it's 7-3, 7-4, 7-5. I mean, Missouri didn't win that game, but that fight, to me, said, uh-oh, Missouri is going to be maybe the toughest out of anyone in the SEC you know, below Alabama and Florida.
2: You know, I agree with you. I They're going to give up some runs, but also that team can hit. So if that offense gets hot, I think you're right. They've got that fight. You, like you said, they came back against UCLA. You know, Kring's, I believe, got this, she got the start in the circle again, got roughed up. But I think, you know, those are two big games and for her to throw. And that experience is something she can kind of take back. And again, when I spoke to, Larissa about her, she has always been able to kind of overpower opponents throughout club ball, throughout travel ball. This is friends, and she's really focusing now on location for the first time in her life. She's a sophomore in college, so to hear that, to hear that she's now focusing on location, that's actually quite scary. If she hasn't focused on it before, because that means she's only going to get better, you know, and so. I agree. I think Mizzou is a team to keep your eye on in the SEC. I mean, I mean, the SEC is the SEC. We just had this question on our top 25 chat about, you know, is the SEC you know, better than the Pac? And I, I don't know. I, you know, I said, you know, I'm actually looking at the ACC as the number two conference in the country at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're playing better than the pack. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of see how that all shakes up. But I, I think that answered your question to answer your question.
1: Right. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs>
2: A roundabout way, <laughs> <laughs> D- Terry.
1: You mentioned it a little while ago, talking about the facilities there at Mary Nutter and, and the need for for an expansion, more room there. We talked about it on the podcast last week. I said, talking about uh, Clearwater, that we were serving filet mignon on a paper plate, basically <laughs> with the with the facility that that we're, that we're playing that tournament at. I mean, we're just kind com- we just came off of you know, Alabama was at the Mardi Gras Mambo and we were broadcasting from a wind tunnel um, in the observation deck. Um, just your thoughts on on what you think needs to happen for some of this expansion that is desperately needed for these huge events.
2: First and foremost, I love filet mignon. So um,
1: yeah, there you go. We know because wow. we bought one for you.
2: Yeah, I know. <laughs> yes! I was going to say, I can't wait for you guys to buy me another stick. Uh, <laughs>
0: you know, I will say just to cut in, I've seen a lot of bracketology that does have Alabama and UCLA in the same NCAA men's basketball tournament pods. Uh, uh, <laughs> another stake bet down the pike. Yeah.
2: So, uh, but in terms of facilities, yes. Is this a great problem to have? Absolutely. That means our sport is growing. That means people Want to come out and watch it at a live venue, but we're busting at the seams. Honestly, I was at both tournaments. I went to Saint Pete Clearwater. I went to Mary Nutter. Getting a seat, you will you have to arrive at six a.m. almost to just have a seat, and then you got to sit in it all day. So we've got to find a solution. We've got to find some strategic partners that are willing to invest in women's sports and and. Maybe that's a minor league facility that is, is rehabbed to have softball fields. But the biggest issue is we just don't have the capacity for fans and enough fields. If you wanted to do tournaments, like, you know, you could do it at, at roads like you guys, in terms of having fans. Um, but for tournament play, like St. Pete and Mary Nutter, there, there are just too many people. And we've got to find a solution to where that's something. Maybe that means bringing in more grandstands in the outfield, which is doable for both uh, facilities. Honestly, uh, I I think maybe temporary bleachers would be the, the answer having session games like we do at the women's college world series, because there was a massive fight at St. Pete for the FSU UCLA game for seats. Massive. I mean, UCLA parents couldn't get seats because they had a game at the fields one through four the Oklahoma, Tennessee game. Like I told you, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of crowds. You couldn't walk. Like I, I, there's got, we've got to find a solution. And I think people are starting to realize that this is a sport, a viable sport that um, we need to invest in. And uh, I hope we can find a solution to this issue. And like I said, it's a great problem to have, but we've got to find a facility that can hold, you know, five to 8,000, even 10,000 fans. Cause that's where we're at.
0: Before we move on from the Mary Nutter and other teams that we have not touched on that you want to talk about that you saw this weekend.
2: Uh, San Diego state. I was really impressed with their play. You know, they've got an all-star coaching staff. I don't know if you guys know Stacey me a Longfellow. Victoria Hayward and Rachel Garcia. That's their coaching staff. So three. So they should be good. Yeah. yeah three <laughs> Olympians. Uh, I played against Mia. Mia was a shortstop at Oregon State. Incredible shortstop. And uh, incredible coach as well. They, gosh, they played so well. Uh, and um, was really just impressed with, you know, Mac, Mac Barbara from uh, Ole Miss. She transferred from Ole Miss just a stud at the plate, um, Maggie Ballant, Didi, Um Hernandez in the circle. I think they just did a nice job. They, oh, they almost snuck out they, two extra inning losses, and now I'm blanking. I have this all written down, but um, two extra inning losses to ranked teams, and then they beat um, – hold on, I've got it. Washington. Washington. Thank you. Oh my God, it's right here. <laughs> he <laughs> Washington. I was there. I'm watching it. Oh, this tells you how much sleep I've had. Um, but San Diego State, like just and Oregon State. Mariah Mason. I've got such an incredible story about Oregon State. Uh, if we have time, but my mom, Mary Henry. I don't know if you guys understand. Mary Henry uh, was a scored every single one of my games when I was a kid. So every single softball game, she's got all the scorebooks in our garage my mom mary nutter is mad busy and now with the climate of our current sid situation sports information director situation they're not all able to travel so they were short-handed my mom actually scored two of oregon state's games she was a score um and really impressed she's like god it's just mariah amazing she this amazing kid she's amazing <laughs> <laughs> and had an encounter with Laura Berg about they had two no hitters and my mom was scoring these games and, uh, you know, Laura Berg was a bat buster. She was an outfielder before me on the bat busters. And uh, so I got the inside scoop from my mom who was scoring the game and she was like, oh my gosh, the Oregon State. I I know they're, they're quite good. Um, so Oregon State was another one and they entered our top 25 this week. Everybody agreed that they're one to watch. So when we thought the pack is is low in terms of being elite, elite. So the top a couple three, I think the pack as a whole is actually stronger than it's been in a while as a whole. Um, I would say the ACC, you look at the ACC, the top three, four are super strong. And then you get to the bottom and it, it, it drops off real quickly. I will say the pack in terms of the entire conference is very strong and, and look at Stanford. Uh, they've had what, two, three no hitters and a perfect game. I, I do think the pack has stability. I just don't, I think we're, we're highly critical of the pack too, in, in general. I, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, those are the teams that, that I saw at the Mary Nutter uh, that really actually kind of stood out to me.
1: Yeah. We could have used your mom at the Mardi Gras Mambo. We were short a few scorekeepers down there as well. We'll
2: <laughs> oh, uh, they- do it. <laughs> she's she fantastic she paper she had a paper score because she doesn't know the system but she, i mean she paper scored that 17-0 uh game wow 17-0 and she's like right, <laughs> everything that could have happened in that game happened
1: that's usually what happens yeah when you're when you're str- you know pulling in the the backups and getting everything ready everything crazy that can't happen will uh,
2: he knows all the rules, so it doesn't matter. She knows sure. every rule. So literally everything that could they could throw at Mary Henry, she was fine. She was good. She's like, yeah, what, what, do I, what else you got?
1: <laughs> in the, uh, the Big Ten in this past weekend, uh, looking like Michigan and Northwestern are kind of separating themselves. Uh, Michigan split a couple games with Duke. Northwestern had two really good wins over Oregon and Washington, but then lost to Fullerton and Texas Tech. Uh, so what, what do you think about those two teams right now?
2: It's funny that you asked me about the Big Ten because there's a massive board uh, across from me that has all the Big Ten ranking or their, their records, their records of the week, kind of who did what. And yes, Northwestern Michigan at the top. Um, I would have put Northwestern pretty, pretty high in the top 10 had they won those two games, if they would have gone, you know, uh, five and oh. I think Northwestern moves up real quick, but two losses to unranked squads. I think they just, I think they're a little bit, I think they're a little bit tired. Um, And, you know, they almost came back in that, in that late night game against, or that late afternoon game against Cal State Fullerton, but Danielle Williams, just brilliant in the circle. I'm a huge fan of her lefty. She mixes speeds She mixes eye levels, like she's North, South, East, West. And then what I really like about the Wildcats is it's not just one person getting it done. It's different players throughout the lineups. You know, Rachel Lewis, you got Jordan Rudd, Nikki Cochran. I mean, I just, I think they're gonna be there at the end, Northwestern, and they've got the bats. Whereas Michigan, they've got, you know, they've got the arms, but I think they're gonna run into some trouble in terms of offense, and um, the Big Ten, uh, you know, keep an eye on Michigan State too. I mean, I know they went three and two. What? I know. I like Ashley Miller. I think they're playing well in Ohio State. Ohio State. That
0: that yeah. is the first I've, time Michigan State has ever been
1: mentioned on this podcast. No, ever. And, and Alabama's <laughs> played them before, and, and we still didn't mention
2: them. I mean, they they did lose two to Florida Atlantic, but uh, I think. She's got a, like something a little special going on there, Jackie Joseph. I I, I talked to her in the fall and you know, she's always honest she because Tara, this might be the best team we've had in a decade.
0: Mm-hmm. Only took time So I'm glad years. I'm
2: glad I'm the first person to actually mention Michigan State on the podcast. Because <laughs> you know what? she be way more well rounded, right? <laughs> Not just SEC. I mean maybe it is. It just means well, more, right? It just means
1: it more. does. It does just mean more. And you know, Danielle, Danielle Williams should be good at Northwestern seeing as how she was Somehow named 2019 Freshman of the Year.
2: Somehow.
1: Over Montana fouls.
0: Still a conversation here on the Out of the Box podcast. Tara Henry joining us as we steal second. You mentioned the ACC a moment ago. Conference play starts this week out there, which is crazy to me. It seems like the season just started. And lo and behold, maybe two of the contenders are playing. Virginia Tech at Clemson. How do you see that series playing out?
2: You know, somebody asked us on our top 25 chat, what game are you most looking forward to this weekend? And it's the Virginia Tech Clemson series. You've got Keely Richard, who we've always said, hey, she just needs some support. She just needs another arm. And I think that she's, well, I don't think, I know she's got that in Emma Lemley. And I think watching her throw and be able to, obviously you guys saw her up and close. And um, Valerie Cagle, Clemson, talk to John Rittman, you know, John is when I spoke to him in clear water. He goes, Oh, yeah, we're not playing very well. I mean, they had two wins, you know, they, but you know, as a coach, he was super critical of of how they were playing. But uh, that is the series I'm excited to see how Valerie Cagle kind of does and, and you know, what they can do against one another. And and Virginia Tech, those bats, they've been going toe to toe with, you know, all everybody they've kind of played. So, really excited about seeing. That matchup, I just can't believe it's so early in the season. I, 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 I literally looked at the schedule and thought, "Holy cow, this is going to have huge implications down the line." This series, really early on, could have huge implications down the line for the ACC championship.
1: Tara, this weekend it's the Crimson Classic in Tuscaloosa with Texas and Miami Ohio coming to play Alabama. Uh, Alabama still rolling along, fifteen and zero, number two in the country. Texas, we thought this was going to be just a marquee matchup. Texas, frankly, has been pretty bad this year. Your, your thoughts on uh, on the Longhorns and then this matchup here this weekend with Alabama?
2: You know, the Longhorns, there's just something missing. You know, they're, they're not playing very well. They're making loads of errors. I watched them at St. Pete. They're, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like they're having very much fun right now. Now, Simpson just threw a no-hitter. Um their, their righty, their young right-hander. And I watched her actually throw in Clearwater and was very impressed with her. So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't count them out just yet, but they're, they've got a lot of things they need to figure out. And I think it's more of a team kind of chemistry thing than anything. Cause they've got the talent, they've got the talent, they've got, you know, they've got the players, you've got fifth year seniors, you've got Mary Iacopo, um, you've got, you know, Lauren Burke there, they, they've been there, done that. So I, I, I think, you know, J- Janae Jefferson, she feels a lot of weight on her shoulders. You know, she's, she's on the U S women's national team. She was a selection there. So I think we would have all thought this would be a huge matchup. It's not shaping up to be like you said, but there's always that potential. I wouldn't really count them out because they, they could flip the switch and maybe that'll happen this weekend.
0: Yeah, I'm pulling for Texas to still be ranked in the ESPN poll so we can at least have a top 25 matchup to advertise when we broadcast this weekend as we uh, chat with Tara Henry. She's shaking her head. She doesn't think it's going to happen. Tara, (laughs) before we let you go, I promise you we'd ask you. We're going to. Reese Witherspoon, what the heck? You were Reese Witherspoon's stunt double in a movie, what? 15 10 years ago how uh, explain tell the story here we, we don't have long but go yeah ahead. so
2: the movie was called how do you know and it was her and owen wilson and um paul rudd i believe is that is that one of the ruds paul rudd is it Paul?
1: Rudd? Mm, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and Batman. she Batman. yes she was a softball player and um jim james brooks wrote the script and There's a scene, it's the beginning of the movie where she is on second base and scores a winning one and she dives into home. And that's actually me. And she was training at UCLA at Easton under Coach Inquis. So they, you know, Coach Inquis was her coach. She used to come up to the field to Easton Stadium and trained at Easton because she was, you know, this is her character. She was a softball player and they needed a stunt double and I was little and blonde and uh, could run fast. So uh, they enlisted me as the stunt double and I did some scenes here in Easton. And then they actually flew me back to Washington, DC. They did some scenes in DC at the, at the mall there, um, the, the grass area. They filmed some, some various running scenes there. So yeah, it was Reese Witherspoon's stunt double she is one of the nicest human beings I've ever met. And I, you know, I couldn't think of a better experience. I remember, oh, this is such a great story. I don't know if you two will remember Kaleo Eldridge, who played at Cal. She was actually the catcher that was the person that, t- she, she was the catcher that tagged me. One of the takes I dove into home and she turned around and tagged me and smacked me square in the face with her, she tagged my mouth, my face and, I literally she hit me in the face get up blood is going everywhere because you know when you get hit in the mouth you bleed a lot she tags me in the face blood is going everywhere they they stop production oh my gosh everyone's freaking out and I kind of stand up I'm like you guys I'm good like should we go again "I, I I'm good like this happens a lot this, 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 no big deal but I will never forget that we, they brought me ice and they were so worried and concerned and kind of all of us all of us were not used to that we were just like oh yeah she she tagged her in the face no big deal she's um,
0: out so it, it happens yeah. it's fine but yeah
2: so yeah I was able to be Reese Witherspoon stunt double back in the day and what incredible experience just you know uh was great it was great Sorry, my, 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 I didn't turn my volume off. So you guys are hearing all my emails coming through.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So they, they didn't call you back for big little lies or nothing. I mean,
2: Oh, dang it. You know, that was, that was my one and only, I actually knew a stunt like coordinator and they tried to get me to actually go into stunts and wanted me to go to stunt school. And I, I, I never did it I just was like "Eh, it was fun that one that one softball gig was fun (laughs) I don't I don't necessarily know if I want to be jumping off buildings and um, risking my life for as as a stunt person which actually now that I think about it I'm surprised I didn't but um, I, I, I that was my only gig but they did offer me I think a SAG card so I'd still get you know there was a ton of people. There's a ton of people that were in that movie, like Andrea, Andrea Duran, uh, Amanda Freed, Jelly Seldon. They were all extras in that movie. So, wow. it it actually, if you go and look at the cast, there was a ton of softball players that were in it.
0: Wow! And they gave you a SAG card too. My goodness, you, the SAG awards were last night. You could have been a voter. Uh, Tara. Although I will say, <laughs> avoiding, you know, the, the being a stunt woman, I think you've picked a pretty good career path with what you're doing right now at D1 Softball. Tara Henry joining us here on the Out of the Box podcast as we steal second. Tara, we love you. It's so good to see you. Hopefully, fingers crossed, you're going to be out here at some point this season.
2: Fingers crossed. I did say that I would like to go to a party at Rhodes. So, I mean. Come on
1: down. You know some people.
2: <laughs> and Patrick Murphy said he had a ticket for me. Mm-hmm. So that I was worried about that. Cause I know that that is a potential that there's just a potential to not be able to get a ticket sometimes. Cause you know, you are the Alabama Crimson tide and you are um, you've got some really wild fans. There. <laughs>
0: there is a wait list to get into the party sometimes, but we will have a spot for you, Tara. Thanks for hopping on.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: So that was Tara Henry really solid interview. I, I love finding out fun facts about our guests and the Reese Witherspoon story to see icing on the cake. She's like, yeah, I was i was her son, Devil. Yeah, listing all of her teammates who were in this movie. I need to watch this movie. MB- I haven't seen it. NBD, no big deal. No, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. She has a SAG card. Right. Like, what the heck? Joey Tribbiani didn't have a SAG card until like season five of Friends.
1: <laughs> until he was Dr. Drake Ramore. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, thank you so much, Tara. We love you, and we hopefully will have you back on the pod very soon. It's time to round third. This was what we teased earlier. Tom, you were not at the dinner that we did Monday night, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. but I sat down at Automatic Seafood and Oyster House with Jen Schroeder and Emily P. Tech Clifford and hashtag TwitterlessAshley, also from ESPN, who's helping Jen out with all of her pieces that she's doing. I put 12 teams in a hat. I passed them around and everybody said their piece about those teams. Oh. It was great. Sounds fun. We called it the Mad Hatter. I don't remember if I actually said it in the segment, but that was the name of the game. That's what it is. That's what it's called. Yes. There is some background noise. We're doing this at a restaurant. The waiter maybe turned the music up after I asked him to turn it down. TBD. (laughs) Either way, I hope you enjoy when we round third. That's coming up next here on the Out of the Box Podcast. Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast. Gray Robertson here. Tom has a family, so he's back home. But I am here at Automatic Seafood and Oysters in Birmingham with some special guests. Seated to my left and also recording this, even though this will be audio saved for a podcast, Emily Pitek-Clifford. Hello, Emily. Thanks, Jen. Hello. (laughs) Also, spoiler alert, here's Jen Schroeder (laughs) from ESPN and UCLA. Hi. and Ashley Shanley Shanley is here (laughs) also from ESPN both of you are here in town for what guys
3: we're here for some feature interview shoots with the Alabama softball team
0: wow that sounds fun yes roll tide anyone in particular really excited to
4: interview
3: no it's a secret
4: (laughs) it'll be released later this month We can't share. A lot of red tape no, can talk about, it.
0: We can talk about it. <laughs> Uh well we are sitting at Automatic Seafood and Oysters. Before we play a game, let's do a version of Tom's Hungry as Emily orders another drink called Of Water. We're <laughs> called Gray's Hungry. What did everyone order tonight here at Automatic Seafood and Oysters? And what'd you think? Emily, start with you.
5: I think I ordered the whole menu. Um <laughs> Started with the crisp, with the pork uh, belly, then went to the the fish dip. Then we did what else did we rolls. do? Rolls the rolls, honey rolls with the honey butter. Then we uh, Jen and I shared a nice Caesar salad. <laughs> and then um, I can't remember the potatoes. Then the hush puppies. I love those. And then I did the uh, Plain Jane red snapper, and I re- kind of regretted that decision because it was mm. a little boring. And I had
4: the cobia. The cobia, the duck fat poached cobia. Very delicious. If you like a little heat, I suggest it. I also had my very first taste of key lime pie in my life.
0: I think I've been missing out. Very surprising to me. I thought you would have had key lime pie. I'm from
4: California.
0: That's fair. That's far away from (laughs) Florida. That's okay.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Ashley?
3: Well, most importantly, you forgot the peanut butter mousse.
4: I did have peanut butter mousse sprinkled with sea salt.
3: I had some yellowfin tuna with crispy Brussels sprouts, my absolute favorite. Highly recommend if anyone's stopping
0: by. Okay, we're going to play a game like we like to do here on the Out of the Box podcast. I have a hat, you can hear it perhaps. This is by the way, the first time we've ever recorded anything like this. So just bear with us. This is a, a game where I've got 12 teams written down on sheets of paper. In the hat, everyone will go around, including Ashley, and pick a team and just give their thoughts on them. Very broad, but random. Kind of copying Jen and Amanda's spin the wheel, but different in a way.
4: We're not spinning a wheel. We're pulling out
0: of a hat. Passing the hat. So who wants to start?
5: Oh, please pick Bama.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Alabama's not in there. Sorry.
5: Dang it. Texas. (laughs) Okay. You guys are coming to Rhodes this weekend. Good luck, bone diddlies. Well, I got
0: to say, hardcore analysis from Emily
4: P. Uh, wait, Clifford. I don't,
5: I don't know if they are who we thought they were.
4: Fair.
0: That's, fair. that's fair.
4: Texas bad? I can't say they're bad. They're talented. Okay. They're just not quite it. Does team. Texas have fight? Isn't that in their theme song? Yep. That's why I said it, Jen. <laughs> they say um, don't mess
0: with Texas. But. They
4: haven't been fighting, but I will say they played UCLA tight. 2-1, so will they play Alabama tight? Beyond that, they have not been impressive. The last
5: time know. they were in, in Tuscaloosa was the last game Miranda Elish played for Texas, I think.
0: That is correct. Just
1: before
0: the world shut down. That would have
3: been 2020 then. 2019. 19.
0: Supers. Oh, they, we're supers. Oh, yeah. they super. supers. They were, Alabama Very was supposed to play, with the, to play them in Brilliant. 2020, yeah. and yeah. the world shut down right before. I interviewed Mike White like two days before everything broke, it was great. I just put it's that back fall. in the hat, right? It's
1: back your fault. I'll find it. I'll find it.
0: All right, Jen, you're up. That was a complete accident.
4: Paul's Texas.
3: <laughs> Florida
0: State. Ah. Oh. Oh. All right, Jen.
4: Florida State is good. Florida State fans think that they should be the number two team in the nation ahead of Alabama on social media. I I think I do. uh, Emily agrees, I do not. Really? I think right now- I think play tougher people. OU's the number one team, Alabama's the number two team in the country. I will give Florida State the number three spot. I love the dynamic duo of Kat Sandercock and Danielle Watson. Danielle Watson is, I'm gonna say more impressive to me right now because I feel like she's overperforming in a way where Kat Sandercock Phenomenal, but I think we all expected her to be phenomenal. Um, Edenfield, unreal. I don't think she's getting enough credit for what she's FGCL, doing. FGCL, by the way. The, oh yeah. Week two player of the week, which is awesome. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I'm interested to see what Sydney Cheryl does this year. Ashley is working on the shoots with me, and she got to see Sydney's interview, and Sydney was very emotional, very vulnerable in what she shared. So, at times, that can be a good thing when you're playing. At times, that can be a bad thing. But I think she's going to leave it all on the field. Like, it's her last year. She's a fifth year. She's been through a lot. She shared with us, okay, this is crazy, actually. She shared with us, she was ineligible her freshman year and almost quit softball. Was right? great? Yes. Failed out of classes. The only reason she
3: stuck it out on the softball team was first at bat, hit a home run. Just like I'm meant to be here. Yeah, thought it wow. was like a
4: sign. And then won a national championship just a few months later. So I'm I in, so all of this to say, I'm into Florida State. I think they're I gonna end, they're going to end, they're end they're their really year good. at OKC. They're good. Yeah. Coacha, awesome. I was they cold on them stuff. to start the year. Ooh, I thought
0: I thought that this was the year where they would be good and then lose in supers at home because that's kind of what they did after they won the title. I disagree now with my own opinion. Where does Danielle Watson and Sander Cox stack up in the one twos? We've talked about this, but you didn't give me your list. Because
4: I don't have a list. Okay. I have a group that's probably 6 deep. 6 times 2, 12 deep, right? 6 sets. And I'll say that they're top 4. Okay.
0: Ashley? Oh, God. This is so much pressure. It is not. Just make sure you speak into the microphone. It'll be all good. Don't Don't peek.
3: Duke. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> It's not.
1: It's
3: not. I'm not a biased alum. She, she went to Duke. She swam. <laughs> I have Florida.
4: Oh. Um, you could talk about Herb.
3: <laughs> my guy, Herb. Uh, no. So we actually have not spoken to Florida yet. We're hoping to um, get a little bit of personality there. Um, I don't know. I feel like Florida has kind of just been like right under the radar in the past two years that I've really been involved in softball, so I'm kind of excited to see what happens this year. You know, SEC tournament's on their turf. They could push it a little farther, but um, yeah. Do you know only two teams? So yeah, Florida, Florida and... Al- oh, no, 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 The only team the, that have won- But the SEC has been dominated by Florida and Alabama, so you know, obviously Alabama are champs. Talk to them tomorrow, but... Would like to see it continue to be competitive between the two, and then just within the SEC in general. So we'll see. Never count out Florida.
0: No. I agree. Brief pause in the podcast. Do you think it would be possible to turn the music down slightly? No. No. A little bit, just a little bit, like a smidgen. It adds
3: the ambiance.
0: All right. Well, I still want to make sure we can be heard.
4: Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, else is being sleeping. bougie. I feel like I feel like we need to tell you what our waiter looks like, guys. Okay, so just a tiny bit of a receding hairline in the front. Hey, he does. In a I'm like a ponytail in the back.
0: So is that business in the
5: front? It's party business in the, back? in
4: the front party in the back. I feel like there's
0: another word for business. Business ain't booming. <laughs> this is a Great Depression up front. Okay. All right, my turn. <laughs> Uh, oh, I got Virginia Tech. I have, I have thoughts about Okay, I, I think Virginia Tech is going to the World Series. I think uh, Emma Lindley and Keila Rochard is in my – they would be on my Mount Rushmore of one-two punches, and I think that offense will get it figured out. They play Clemson this weekend.
4: What do you mean by that offense will get it figured out? Well, They're, all right, so. They'll figure out a way to score a few runs so that their pitchers uh, uh, can mow everyone down?
0: Yes, <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, Kelsey Brown is hitting like 227. She's much better than that. She hit 413 or something like that last year. Uh, Kelsey Bennett will keep driving in runs. Cam Fagan's been the most consistent bat in their lineup yeah. to start the year. I, I think that. When that offense rounds into form one through nine, because there are some good young pieces who just aren't hitting well consistently to start the year. Mm-hmm. Once they round into form, I, I think that they will be a legitimate national champion threat.
5: Whoa! Yes. Okay. Amanda said this early on, and I think you didn't agree, Jen. I didn't either. I don't I think either. you didn't agree.
4: Yeah. I will no, say no, no. when we. I think, no, no, no. What Amanda said was that. Three teams from, from the ACC. ACC are going to make the World Series. That's what I yeah, disagree Yeah, I disagree with, with that. Not, the, I, I'm not saying Virginia Tech won't you make think the it's... World Series. I think Virginia Tech could most definitely make the World Series. Remember, they beat UCLA last year in the Supers in the I, game.
0: I think that Florida State and Virginia Tech will be there. I think Duke and Clemson have no shot. Oh. Sorry. That's <laughs> Duke <fine>. alum.
3: <laughs> I will say, uh, when we spoke to Pe- – Clemson, Coach Rittman was very, I won't say intimidated, but spoke very, very highly Uh, of Virginia Tech and the pitchers.
4: Rittman spoke highly of Lemley, and literally in our interview, before she had even thrown a collegiate game, said, there's a pitcher that no one's talking about right now from Virginia Tech. Her name's Emma Lemley, and she's going to shock the world. He said this in Clearwater, day one. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Before she threw against you guys and shocked the world. Do you think you missed out on recruiting? Well, it seemed like he went after her Got from it. the way he was. He knew about he knew, her.
0: Yeah. yeah. I would like to point out as we round third here on the Out of the Box podcast. It sounds like the music has gotten louder.
3: I think he was pissed <laughs> at you. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. He was angry with. I've you. said <laughs>
0: ass before. It's fine. All right. Time for one more round.
5: Don't you have twelve
0: I guess we groups? can do three. Sure. Oh my gosh. No, we can't be
5: the
0: last ones here. I'm. Well, we We're can.
5: <laughs> Oklahoma. <laughs> They're good. Jordy Ball, kind of. Um, is there a chink in her armor? Did you see it the other day? Who did they play against Tennessee? I'm not sure. What do you think? Are you saying there is? I don't know. Here's is my there, take. Is, is the freshman phenom? Is it, are we going? Are people going to figure her out really fast or not?
0: No. My take is the national championship race got bigger this weekend by Oklahoma not looking immortal. Like now, Oklahoma I believe that they're a team to lost to Georgia last OU. year
5: and still trounced everybody.
0: But what do you uh, but mean it OU, got
5: bigger? yeah, but so they lost to me. Late in the right
0: to me, like coming into this weekend, I saw three teams. I'm not a Florida believer, sorry. For a national championship, uh, I saw three teams that could win the title: Oklahoma, Alabama, Florida State. Which means it probably maybe UCLA,
4: yeah.
0: Uh, which but,
4: I, I'm not super hot on UCLA this year. Right. But that's still. If I'm having this conversation, I'm still saying UCLA can win the national championship. And that's me saying they don't look their best. And I don't think they're the best that they've been. They could still win the national championship. Here's why. I hope I pull Mizzou. Oh,
0: are we already moving on? Okay.
4: I pulled Washington, but dang it.
0: Wait, I just pulled up.
4: One rolled by Mizzou. I want to make this point okay. about your three national championship contenders. Well,
0: but that was before this weekend.
4: Okay, continue and then I'll make my okay. point. Okay,
0: so I thought watching Oklahoma look mortal. In the first three innings against an arizona team that i have seen look terrible this year at times uh, against the tennessee team that i've been very low on and is last in the sec in batting average and against a utah team that none of us thought were very good to me says that oklahoma can be gotten at any point in the postseason and so that makes me more excited for the national championship race and that it's not an automatic foregone conclusion that Oklahoma will be in the champ series. Maybe somebody will stop them along the way. That was kind of my point. I'm not saying that, you know.
3: I think they will be stopped along the way. I don't think they're expecting to be that team last year who had, what, that record of consecutive in-season wins before they lost to Georgia. Yeah. And then, yeah, they got shocked by JMU first round, were in the loser's bracket, and then still got the job done. So, I yeah. I mean, they're a very impressive team, and I think Patty Gasso just, like, has those girls lined up but
4: i do think there are other contenders for sure okay as i'm gonna make the correlation of ucla to oklahoma okay ucla has won 12 national championships so no matter how they are in a year when you play them they're the goliath it doesn't matter mentally to a team and i'm gonna use missouri as my example missouri goes in and plays washington missouri crushes them 10-0 Washington's damn good don't get me wrong but they're not the UCLA they're not on the Mount Rushmore of college softball right yeah as Oklahoma is just becoming more dominant in the 2000s and winning more national championships now every team that plays them plays with their best it's a different outlook they're not playing Utah who plays in the Pac-12 against Stanford on a random March 12th Saturday They're playing Oklahoma, where they're turning triple plays. Yeah. It's just a different mentality now that Oklahoma has one more. It's almost like you can't compare how a team plays them to base how good that team is. So I think Missouri is a very good team, despite the fact that they literally gave up seven real quick, and Lauren Krings, she's very nervous, it seemed like, playing UCLA, right? And I think you're getting that against Oklahoma right now a little bit.
0: Okay. I agree with that. Now, now you pulled Washington. I did pull Washington. What the heck is going on with Washington?
4: Okay. So my opinion is that, you know, coach tar has had some losses in her life. She just lost her mom. She lost her dad last year. Uh, JT, her assistant coach, left for Georgia. We know that they were married. I think that that team is gr- in a grieving process right now. And I think that they're supposed to fake it till they make it, pretend everything's okay. But they were also very close to Coach Tarr's parents. They were also very to JT, close to JT, who's left. So I'm thinking, I'm gonna give Washington the benefit of the doubt at the Mary Nutter and say that they're in their grieving process. And I wanna see the way that they continue to grow and get better.
0: Okay. Yeah, is that I, fair? I, I think that's fair. If they have more issues in the next couple weeks, because I've looked at their schedule, it's, it is Charmin soft the next two weeks. If, if they have any issues there, I will be fully concerned. Losing to a good San Diego State team that got hot, Missouri and Northwestern who was piping hot, I'm not going to take off full marks. I do, however, have concerns about the question I asked you two weeks ago when I asked... Does the Washington offense overshadow the need for a number two? Now that answer to me is clearly no, and they will ride or die as per usual on Gabby I Agree,
4: Ashley. Well. <laughs> your
0: turn. This is an old Alabama hat, by the way.
4: I do think they turn the music down. Okay, I think maybe it, a it little. It does. It's just not a Motown
3: Northwestern. Oh. I like it. Go Wildcats! All my Chicago peeps.
4: Um, <laughs> I'm sure
0: they're all tuned in to the Out of podcast. I know, right? Um... We have a big side Chicago note,
4: base. Side note, can I say the stat, the, my fact about you, about Northwestern? No. No. Ash- say it. Ashley's dad is the CEO of Northwestern Hospital. Children's, Children's Hospital. Hospital. <laughs> He's a badass. Love you, dad. Wow. <laughs> See, she loves to, to pull Northwestern. Um, That's awesome.
3: So, I... Honestly, you know, Northwestern, Big Ten softball, I hate to be like, they're just, you know, middle of the pack, but that's kind of what everyone expects. They're playing in those rougher conditions, but they performed very, very well at Mary Nutter. Um, I mean, Danielle Williams, I think she's so good not a great interview love you girl but you're not giving me stuff to work with um uh, but no I think they have a great team and journalism is their thing I would have yes. thought that they She's very humble very, very humble, humble which is great and they are all about the team they really really seem to unite with that they have some good senior leadership who we talked to so I don't know I think I uh, think who wins the big 10 that's a good question
5: Michigan or Northwestern or Illinois,
0: <laughs> sorry.
4: I think Northwestern wins.
0: Yeah, Michigan goes to Northwestern, which is it's it's down to those two teams, right? So yeah,
4: I'm
3: gonna give it some Northwestern this year. Yeah, it depends if the players know if this. I, which I'm I'm speculating, this is nothing, no one has said anything, No one, nothing was said in an interview. I'm speculating. If the players know this is Hutch's last year, I don't think they lose the Big Ten Championship.
0: Interesting. It would make sense. Just got all-time wins, Candrea can't pass her, so hmm. they have to learn to hit, though, not to pull out an yeah. old out-of-the-box, yeah. off-the-wall comment, but all right. Oh, I thought you were laughing, but you're just yawning, which is not good for my podcasting confidence. I have UCLA. <laughs> I've already said a lot about UCLA. Uh, do we have any kind of timetable on Aaliyah Jordan? Is she done for the year? Do we do we know publicly?
4: I don't know what is public knowledge, so okay. I'm going to be quiet. That's fine. But I'm going to say that I don't think we've seen the last of her. Okay. Fair? That feels it feels Bubba-esque from last year. Okay, fair. Okay.
0: Uh, well, if she comes back, then UCLA is definitely among... The, the contenders. I mean, I call, feel call like
4: are so good right now
0: that that to me has been the biggest revelation of the early part of the year. Cause when we were texting at the beginning of the season, I said, is it fair to have concerns about the people behind Megan? And I do have concerns about Megan giving up so many home runs early. Uh, we talked about it earlier in the episode. We've recorded this over two days. It's a whole hodgepodge. Sorry. Uh, 11 home runs all last year. She's given up nine already this season. But Holly pitching as well as she has, with as much variety as she has, has been a difference maker that can make Megan probably feel less pressure once we get to when it really counts.
4: I'd love to see you UCLA be strategic with those two arms. And in what way? Maybe have a plan. Megan's going to start. Holly's going to come in. Or Shaw's going to be middle relief. Holly's going to close. Maybe Megan's going to close. Maybe Holly's going to start. Because right now it's Megan's getting hit, Holly you're in. Right? And then the other way around. I'd Holly, you're getting hit. Megan, you're in. I don't think Holly has really gotten hit this year.
0: That's fair. Was she not? She started against Oklahoma, correct? Or was it Shaw?
4: Uh, Oklahoma. No, you're right. Well, Holly. Yeah, but Oklahoma. The hardest hit. The hardest hit ball of that game came off Alita Jordan's bat. Mm. There weren't any home runs given up. It wasn't. Right. I mean, they scored three runs.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Something to keep an eye on. All right, one more round as we round third here on the Out of the Box podcast. Emily, you good? Mm-hmm. Last one. Hope I know from this team. Michigan. I think we just talked about it. <laughs> I, need, I, don't know, I need Bobby and ZRA to go down. It's at, I think, 3 3 right now.
4: Yes, yeah, that not what it was last
0: year. Alex Tarako's is great. I love you, Alex Tarako. Do
4: you think she listens? No profession of love oklahoma state this is an interesting hat draw for me because i will say that i thought they were going to be better but that doesn't mean that they're not getting better i think they'll be goodly yeah Yeah. they are talented player for player but can we give a little shout out to texas a&m yes played them very very tight so, Texas A&M plays UCLA 5 p.m. Saturday Pacific Standard Time, Cal State Fullerton. I told Amanda I think A&M may win that game.
0: Really? We'll see. I don't Herzog know. is pitching the best I've ever seen her. From a very small sample size of me actually being able to watch A&M, she looked real good against Oklahoma State. Yeah,
4: it's an interesting matchup. Hmm. I could see it. I don't know. We'll see.
0: And if is giving up bombs, here's Haley Lee. Let's... Yeah. She's still hitting the 800. No, she's, she's down to a measly 565. I was going to say, she old. hitting
5: 630 now? Her OBP
0: is 700.
5: She was on my team last
0: year. Yeah, FGCL, Haley gonna, Lee. Are you going
3: to draft her again
0: if I participate? She's first on my big board, so don't you dare.
3: Uh. Is Ashley Rogers back? Yeah, mm-hmm. she was at Mary Nettles.
4: Ashley, you remember? Oh, Tennessee, in Tennessee was there. Oklahoma, the extra That's innings, right. and UCLA, the yes. in extra yes. innings. Yeah. That was a long day for yeah. us. They're hitting better. Honestly, all I've
3: gotta say about Tennessee is I would play for Coach Karen at Heartbeat. She's a badass. She's awesome. Love talking to her. Um, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> is Should've
0: Kiki Malloy the best center fielder yes. in the game right now? In terms of all around play?
4: All around play. Okay, I'm a big Kiki Molloy fan. I've been tweeting like, her, tweeting about her like crazy. Uh,
0: I know that's I a loaded question yeah, without any notes in front of us.
4: That's loaded. I will say she's the best center fielder that's hitting leadoff.
0: Okay. Is,
4: is that a fair statement? Yes. I am I know I'm going to my brain right, right now. I'm rolling, too. I just
0: asked that question. Yeah.
4: I don't know. I, I I.
0: I mean, she seems like, I will say this, she seems like a surefire first-team All-American this year.
4: This uh, is an early statement, Gray. Right?
5: Yeah. Bama doesn't play them this year. I wonder if we see them in supers.
4: Oh, Lord. Also, Kiki did say in her interview that her mom's the better athlete than her dad. Yes. Her dad, Lawyer Malloy, I think he won.
5: He personally victimized my Bills 97 times. <laughs> Two Super Bowls. <laughs>
0: Speak on it. Preach. Just so
5: that's just that's an interesting fact. Yeah, her mom's nice though.
4: Claudine, she's very nice. Oh, so nice. She likes I've seen her on tweets. Twitter. Yeah. yeah, she's so nice. Brand track, track star. I
0: have a question. Do we know why Riley White has only thrown six innings this year?
4: I don't. <laughs> <No>? <laughs> Ashley? Who dat? <that? laughs> Who that?
0: Emily? Who that? <laughs> Ashley <don't> Rogers? <laughs> no. The other one. Is it done? No, there's one more. It's mine. And I know what it is. It's Auburn. whoa, whoa! whoa. (laughs) what. It's going to rip. Just kidding. Uh, Shelby Lowe, my feelings about Shelby Lowe have been said publicly a lot. I think she is my favorite pitcher to watch outside of Alabama in the SEC. Uh, I I don't know how long the run support will last. They go to Clearwater, and they did fine. They did well. They had – you know, three unranked teams, a Texas team that went 0-5 in UCLA and got run-rolled by UCLA. And in the two home tournaments, the best team they've played is Louisiana Monroe, which we love you, Molly Fickner, but they're not...
4: Do you know that my cousin is coaching with Molly Fickner at ULM? Really? Like, Wait, I feel like, like I didn't know that. that. that's my cousin. Molly texted and said, I need a passionate young coach. I love Leah Wodak, coached her. I was like, Lena, my cousin. Random fact, everyone.
0: Well... No offense, but
4: ULM's doing good. Don't they are, about, No, they're don't doing. Talk about them, great.
0: Hey, no, they're doing real well. But they haven't had a Virginia Tech or an Arizona or somebody no, like that come up. in. No, no, I'm talking about Auburn. Now. Oh. Auburn, Auburn hasn't had anybody. Auburn hasn't had anybody from the quote unquote Power Five come to a tournament yet. Yeah. So when they get into the meat of the schedule, will the hitting last? I don't think so. But the pitching's always going to be there. So if it does, Auburn will be legit.
4: That like a very politically correct answer.
0: That's how we do it on the Out of the Box podcast.
4: Jen's <laughs>
3: James, James, James <laughs> famous tagline, that's a politically correct answer. I say that how many long. times
0: have you said that to people? Which team have you said that the most
3: to? I don't know. What happens in the tent stays in the tent, right? <laughs> Especially if you're crying.
0: <laughs> well, we're not going to cry here on the rounding third segment. I say we're politically correct. In the next segment, we're going to roast all the people who say ESPN isn't doing enough hey. with streaming and stuff. Because get over yourselves. That'll be when we head home. Thank you, Ashley.
3: Of course. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you, Jen.
3: <laughs> you're welcome.
0: Thank you, Emily Peta Clifford. Yep. You're welcome. Thank you to all of you for joining us here on the rounding third portion of the show. When we come back, we'll head home. Off the wall. Tom's hungry. All that jazz. Here on the Athletics Podcast. Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast. I hope you enjoyed the rounding third portion of the show. Something we didn't get to that we're going to cover a little bit as we head home is big games outside the conference this weekend because I didn't have it up because we're at a restaurant and honestly, you know, we, we had enjoyed ourselves a lot and rundowns were thrown into the wind. So we'll talk about that a little bit as we head home. But first, Tom, let's look back. We started at the plate, discussed Alabama. Again, we don't necessarily know all of the answers to many of your questions, but I I think they will be answered rather soon. I I certainly think so. Yeah. We advanced the first, broke down all of the SEC teams, gave our thoughts. A lot of teams, our thoughts were, eh, we don't know. We're still confused about many. (laughs) Then we stole second with Tara Henry. We rounded third. You just heard that with Jen, Emily, and Ashley. And now it's time to head home. So let's start with a couple games outside the SEC we've got our eyes on. Friday... Honestly, it's it's all every day. It's Virginia Tech, Clemson. It's the best and most exciting game this weekend. The ACC starting off with a bang. Like Tara Henry said, this will have conference
1: championship ramifications. I, I certainly think so. Uh, also, looking at the Stanford and Oklahoma State matchup because Stanford this past week, yes, uh, pitching wise had two no hitters in a perfect game, uh, three straight games where they did not did not allow a hit. And this is a Stanford team that has been kind of mired toward the bottom of the Pac-12 for a while, um, and, but they have the history of, of being a really good program um, and you know a, a chance here against a team like Oklahoma State where if they get a win or a couple of wins uh, against the Cowgirls, uh, they can kind of make the statement that we're, we're going to be somebody that you're not just going to be able to come and, and run through in the Pac-12 this year. Arizona, Friday they have Iowa State, a team that is – Okay, they've got some talent,
0: but they hung with Washington 1-0. They lost that game, but still they were around. And Saturday, Boise State team off to a good start, and a Texas State team that has the talent to pull off that upset. If I'm Arizona, I would like to see three comfortable wins there. I think that's doable, but we'll see where their progress is because right now it's been a mixed bag.
1: Yeah, if you're Arizona, you got to have some questions if you're an Arizona fan and know you've seen the Wildcats, again, when they run up against – the two teams from the sec they played alabama and kentucky uh some of the others that, that they haven't really shown out very well these are games that they are losable type games uh but if you're able to win them comfortably then they okay maybe we're we're rounding in here and caitlin those first year
0: so that's it for the uh, preface here in the heading home segment it's time to get into the meat and potatoes mm. and i don't mean tom's hungry i mean right. off the wall <laughs> Where do we begin? Would you like to go? Uh, I've got so, I in fact, you go first, Tom, and then I'll get to the very specific comments okay. I've written down.
1: Uh, well, the one that kind of jumped out at me, and, and I think this is just kind of just a PSA moving forward as well. We don't know about injuries. We don't have, aren't privy to anything extra that we don't say on the air. Right. We, we make our observations and we tell what those observations are. So, I mean, I appreciate people wanting to interact and, and stuff on Twitter. I don't know, and I, and if somehow I I was given some inside knowledge, I wouldn't say it, right? You know, so, so I I you know I appreciate that everyone thinks that I or that we have some sort of inside knowledge on it because we travel with the team, which we might be able to a little bit, but it's not something we're going to be able to talk
0: about. We can more or less get thoughts on a situation, but very rarely have we been told the actual status right of anybody. When we are told is during the pregame interview, right? So that is what you need to be listening to if you want updates before everybody else yes the 10 minutes before tv goes on the air we talk with patrick murphy and if there's something to give about a player who's been hurt he will usually say it yeah if that player is available that night so like remember when montana was out in 19 we had that news like two minutes before everybody else because we did the interview and then the lineups (laughs) came out and sometimes you know
1: that is where he makes those announcements. Sure. And and we will reference it throughout the broadcast at that point. It is not our jobs as the Alabama radio guys to break injury news. right? And we just, we can't, even if, it, and we rarely know anything ahead of time anyway. Uh,
0: I think people get us confused with like actual media because of this podcast. We're not trying to investigate anything. No. We report what we are told and what we see. That's that. Yeah, so there,
1: there you go. As far as that goes. All right, Mm -hmm.
0: let's pull up the document yet Mm -hmm. again. Oh, look at all this. There's so many.
1: Okay. Okay, I I I was told Alabama won six games this weekend. How is there so much? Two ranked run rules. Right. Yes.
0: These girls deserve live TV time. Come on, ESPN. First off, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to disagree that the the team deserves to be Mm -hmm. on TV. A lot of teams deserve to be on TV. What I'm not going to do is blame ESPN. Because we've talked about this, right? ESPN has grown the game more than literally anything else. Literally. Yeah. There is more softball available to be watched than ever before. You know, it was on tonight, Kevin Brown and Amanda Scarborough calling Michigan, North Carolina on the ACC network. Yeah, that's great. A midweek in the ACC on television. Why on a basketball night? And three years ago, that's not on deep. So the number of teams available, not just on television, but also on streaming has grown exponentially. I believe it's over 2000 softball games this season are available to be watched in some capacity, Yeah, it's a which is
1: remarkable. Story. Right. Absolutely.
0: So let's stop getting angry at ESPN. If they're not flying in a crew to broadcast Southeastern Louisiana
1: and Alabama on ESPNU, I would love to have seen the producer walk in to the observation deck we were broadcasting from and saying yes (laughs) and this is where michelle smith and (laughs) and beth moen's gonna be sitting yeah
0: oh my god that would not happen also a couple more things to add one if you have issues with the lack of streaming for the tournament this past weekend don't talk to alabama about it be pissed off at the tournament host, which was Southeastern Louisiana. Right. They did not. And I don't want to throw them under the bus because this was a, it was a fun event, but they didn't make a plan for that because the place where we were playing doesn't have that capability. No. So I don't disagree with them not making that plan, but don't direct your anger at Alabama. That's stupid. And don't direct your anger at ESPN because they're not going to buy the rights out for the Mardi Gras Mambo. If they were going to buy the rights for anything this past weekend, it's the Mary Nutter, which was frankly a better softball product top to bottom throughout the weekend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The frustration that uh, people seem to be feeling with Alabama on games that are not streamed uh, is, is misfounded because... If Alabama is not the host of the event, they have no control over who is streaming or what media is, is available for it. Right. They just don't. It's not, it's not their job. It's not their job, and they don't have the rights to it. So just like we were talking about with Arizona in week one, the SEC network has zero jurisdiction to come in and televise games that Arizona is hosting. We've got more. This makes
0: me so mad. I bet if the number two team in any male sport was playing, I could find it live on ESPN app. Incorrect. The day this was commented, Arkansas baseball number two in the country was on flow baseball that same day. Why? Because they were at a, a tournament
1: similar to Alabama. Not saying that there aren't still discrepancies that need to be addressed you know, when talking about the coverage of men versus women's sports. But this is not the case. Where, right. This is not where the, the argument needs to be. Had. This, is,
0: this is not the fight. This is not where you play that card. This is
1: not the hill you die on. We're not even on a hill. No, we are. There, there's no hill to
0: be had. We are in a wind tunnel. <laughs> okay, another comment. They are rolling. They needs to drop the crane stuffs. That's not who they are. Come up with theirs own thing. First off, red pin, please. 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 <laughs> like, like, proofread before you hit send. Oh, oh my gosh. Right. Second. Who
1: cares? Right. Why do you care
0: about the crane? Shh,
1: let people enjoy things.
0: Are you injured? Are right. you mentally and physically hurt right. by Alabama
1: doing the crane after home runs? Also, they've been doing it all year. It kind of is who they are. Yeah. It kind of, you know, kind of is their thing. They're, Nobody's mad. Everybody's happy about it except for some old people <laughs> and a couple people on Twitter who don't like fun. Right.
0: Alabama needs their own network like Texas. No. 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 So let me put this out there. Texas, their road events, not on the Longhorn Network no, for so, the most part. So we're uh, we in the exact same position. Right. Now, if they are at a ESPN school, sometimes, you know, when, when Texas was supposed to come here in 2020, there were originally some non-Alabama games that were scheduled to be broadcast on the Longhorn Network. That is not the case this year. I don't believe anything don't from Texas-Miami is on the Longhorn Network. No. But the major part of that is Texas, when they go on the road, is not guaranteed to be shown them a Longhorn Network. And if you talked
1: with anybody, probably at ESPN or, or anybody that studies media, one of the great failures of all the of the expansion of this has been the Longhorn Network. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it has not been done right from the beginning. No. Uh, so and it's going to go away once Texas joins the SEC. And and the fact that Texas was willing to give it away to join this conference kind of shows you where where they where they stood on yes it's it. uh, so, a great point so i i don't no one should be you know clamoring so we need the crimson tide network like the longhorn network no 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 we don't
0: no, no. there are so many just financial mm-hmm. reasons why that's a terrible idea yeah and coverage we were reasons why that's a terrible
1: idea it's it's been bad
0: okay so there was a really long comment i'm not going to read what i said because we've covered it a little bit i will point out though this this person said, "Can anyone explain how I was able to watch every game last year on ESPN live stream, and now it's only hit and miss?" First off, incorrect. The Louisville yeah. games were not on stream because that was a tournament that was suddenly scheduled right. after the Austin trip was snowed out. So there was not even fans
1: in, in no. the at Rhodes that day. Uh, that, that that was the only the only broadcast was us on radio.
0: Second, I want to add in. Everybody else, it seems, can be seen playing this weekend, but not the number two team in the country. Incorrect. No. So everybody that is being seen this weekend in the SEC is at home or at the Mary Nutter on Flow Softball, but that's not on the ESPN app. The ESPN contracts allow and really force, honestly, every home event to be streamed. Florida, number four in the country, played a game against DePaul this past weekend at UCF not streamed because the SEC network has no rights at an American school. Ole Miss JMU played nothing like no coverage. They don't right. even have a radio. So right. again, a misguided
1: argument. I think at times Alabama fan, or this is probably not just Alabama fans, but it's all fans that are fans of specific teams tend to one, think that everyone's against them. Thinks that media especially is against them. They always think the color commentator hates them. The play-by-play guy hates them. The referees hate them everybody that you kind of you're defensive to begin with uh and then you you watch your team in a vacuum and you just assume if alabama doesn't have it everybody else does
0: how dare right the tv people talk well about the
1: other team exactly Uh, i think that has something to do with it and it's and just you know this perception that out again i think it's a perception that alabama controls things they don't control we're friends with a lot of the tv people that Folks
0: on social media say hate Alabama. I text many of them often during games. Mm-hmm. None of them hate Alabama. But no.
1: that, so. that being said, Gary Danielson absolutely hates Alabama. <laughs> well,
0: we're not diving into that. <laughs> Gary Danielson did give me a Dick's Sporting Goods gift card once. Okay, one more. <laughs> this is the comment I've, I've seen age the worst, the fastest in off-the-wall history. <laughs> it was pretty impressive, actually, when you look at it. During the Louisiana game in the third inning, somebody comments, I don't think the sack butt ever pays off for us. In the fourth inning, (laughs) Alabama reaches on an error provided by a sack bunt. Right. And then it happens again and again in that game. Three times the sack bunt literally works. Amazing. So keep keep commenting. Yes. Please say, gosh, I don't think Alabama is ever going to hit a home run. I I wonder what will happen.
1: Also – an incorrect statement even before True. everything worked out just again you're making the black and white 100 statement which yeah. is you know, just incorrect
0: all right that's all i've got tom anything you would like to add for off the wall that was a hefty list of stuff <laughs> it was.
1: I, w- I will say outside of what we've talked about i've been pretty happy with 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 the commenters everyone's been pretty encouraging and you know for the most part alabama hasn't given them a whole lot to, to right. complain about so yeah. Hopefully
0: that will remain the case. I mean, I would, I would love for, a, I don't want to say ease up because they're college athletes, but I don't think we should be tweeting Alabama needs to find somebody else. When a player like Alex Salter, who's pitched literally four games their entire career right, has a bit of a rough outing. Yeah. Let's not give up on them. Let's yeah, let's not, not just, Oh, they had a bad day in February. They're obviously no good. All right. Time for Tom's hungry. Oh, my favorite. That was off the wall. That was. Look, it was fun, but this is the best segment that we do on this show. Mm -hmm. And a contender for one of the best weekends we've ever had.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it's a little bit different because there's a few non-restaurant in this Tom's Hungry because uh, we got some homemade stuff, Mm -hmm. which might end up on the podium. Oh, okay. Uh,
0: (laughs) Please, this is your segment. I will add in some commentary. Go ahead, Tom. Uh,
1: so I uh, got there. The first thing we had was Elise's, uh, which is uh, Italian. And it was outstanding. A really good start. Re- great way to kick off the weekend. I don't often go to the state of Louisiana and go,
0: Italian. Mm. Yes, Correct. that is the best. It was really good. Of course, all the, all the king cake. That of course. That you could possibly have. Of course. <laughs> it was just... So many king cakes.
1: <laughs> At, I'm as, sweating
0: thinking about right,
1: it. I was gonna say, as uh, SID Extraordinaire Nathan Sheehan said, he is now sweating king, king cake mm. <laughs> as, as as we're going along here, still a couple of days later. The cream is oozing out. Okay, proceed, so much Tom. Cake. I think Thursday might be my favorite day in the history of Tom's Hungry. Wow. All right. It was in Lafayette. We go to Old Time Grocery for lunch, and had. You know, they're very world famous for their po'boys. So I had the shrimp po'boy and our uh, associate assistant video director, James McIntyre, came with us and he is more of a healthy eater. I eat healthily. He actually eats, eats for health. Uh, so, <laughs> um, but he also got the shrimp po'boy and he, he put it really well. It's fried, but the batter is not too heavy. Like it, it's a light batter on it, which I think really makes it, makes it really good. Um, and not overly filling so you could eat the full po boy. yeah um, that combined with the the sauce they put in the mixture of the mayo and the cocktail sauce really good so i was very very impressed once again with the shrimp po boy at the old time grocery
0: yes i went shrimp po boy as well i think that i have to add though one of the reasons i love this meal i think it's the first time patrick murphy has ever come with us to a Tom's Hungry, like legitimate contender restaurant. Yeah, and it was off his suggestion. Mm-hmm. And also, I loved when we were riding back to the hotel and riding to the restaurant. He was pointing out all the places in Lafayette. Yeah. Sam, our office was there. Used to live over there. That's the diner I ate at. You know, all the time. It was really fun. It was. Yeah. So I enjoyed that part. Yeah. You know, look, we don't know everything, but we know everybody, and so <laughs> we get to do certain things that right. not all media gets to do, and that's a really fun part of the job and I had a great meal. I, I loved it. Like I, I took my medication that makes me not hungry and I still scarf down a quote unquote half <laughs>
1: bow boy, which it was probably about two thirds. Wait. Cause when I first got it, I was like, cause I got the full pull boy. I had the full one and I thought this might be too much. I might, I might, I might've gotten a little <laughs> bit, finished it off. It was great. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect amount for me.
0: Okay. Old time grocery. I feel right. good about
1: that. Old time grocery. Really good. Then we get to the the ballpark and in the press box, They have homemade red beans and rice and cornbread, which was just amazing. It it was, and this is going to be something else in in a a similar thing about what the gumbo we had later. I I don't really like spicy stuff. If it's too spicy, I can't eat it. It got right up to the too much spice, Mm -hmm. but it was just all flavor. And and the cornbread actually, I thought was really, really good too. And it it, it was a nice compliment. So the, the press box... Lafayette the homemade red beans and rice and sausage just
0: really good yeah shout out to I believe their color analyst who made it for radio Mm -hmm. see radio people we add contributions to society (laughs) 100% I did not have the red beans and rice because I was like full medicated right (laughs) so I I was not eating a darn thing uh, until many hours after it wears off I did as I walked by take a little pinch of the cornbread very
1: good yes and then after the game In a cool gesture, uh, Louisiana's team actually gave Alabama's team to-go boxes, which I'm sure was really good, but I was like, no, I'm waiting for this gumbo that that I've been hearing about. So a family friend of the Habitses, an older lady, made homemade gumbo which they had, she'd been working on the roof for like multiple days and i heard as soon as i heard that i was like i'm having this gumbo
0: yeah allison
1: uh, habit said <laughs> and i quote that's all you need to know right 100 uh so we got the gumbo it's similar i mean it had so much flavor in it uh without being overly spicy it was just absolutely perfect i, I could i could drank the broth it, yep. it was great again you, it, anything that you cook over several days and I don't know what was in it, and I don't want to know what was in it, but it was really, really good. But what
0: she did include was chicken skin, which I just scarfed down. Anytime that was in the spoon, boom, goodbye. Mm-hmm. I mean, thank you to this woman. We don't know your name. We are <laughs> right. proud of you. Yes.
1: Thank you so much. Nothing like jumped out of the bowl. So it's it, great. Somehow. Nothing alive. Right. So. And it, it, was, it was delicious. <laughs> and then more, uh, more king cake again. <laughs> <laughs> more that. so many flavors oh, I, yeah. I didn't know there were so many different flavors i had cake.
0: no idea amaretto walnut i'm not a walnut guy you know i ate it right. cautiously mm-hmm. i don't love fruity flavors so i wasn't eating the raspberry or the blueberry raspberry is really good They're when really they good. brought cream cheese i said yes this right. is it this is my thing
1: cream cheese really good four oh. pieces <laughs> the cinnamon cheesecake god how many days are we on we have like right. two more days to right. discuss. but i will say for the next couple of days uh, I was so cold and just worried about getting warmed up when we got back to the hotel. Didn't really venture out too much. Other, you know, we had a Raisin Cane's and that like that So it wasn't overly, but I know you got some, uh, some delivery that, that you really enjoyed. Yes. Yeah, so I hit up
0: our friend, Christy Hemphill and said, Hey, I want some good takeout. I'm not trying to go anywhere because I got work to do, mm-hmm. but I want something legit. I don't want to, I, you know, no offense. I didn't want to sure. go to Cane's. No, I sure. wanted to go and hit up a local spot.
1: I was so cold, I wouldn't have been able to enjoy it. <laughs> you were like, give me the canes and put it on my face. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, I'm going to go take a 45-minute shower and warm up now.
0: <laughs> but, okay, so I, I get, like, five different places from Christy Hemphill, and I say, all right, tell me, where which is the one? And she said, Poe Boys Riverside Inn. It's spelled, you know, like the actual spelling of Poe Boy, mm. full out. Riverside Inn. So I, I call, and I get the crabby appetizer, which is crab and cheese on bread. That's like my kryptonite. That's I will that. put that away forever. That's all you need. That's it. Mm-hmm. My meal, I get some grilled oysters Bienville. I'm I'm probably botching that pronunciation, but it was parmesan cheese and a little bit of other cheese and some cream. And it was I've fallen in love with grilled oysters. I think the things you can do with the toppings, very exciting. Yeah. So I had a great time with that. And then I got bread pudding which was their world-famous bread pudding. Also saw Kaylee Tao and her mom at the restaurant. The grills were there with Kat. It was good to chat with them for a moment. They were celebrating, I think that was Tao's birthday. Mm-hmm. Might've been the night before. Uh, a really fun spot. They were also recommended Po'boy Riverside Inn by the Hemphills and uh, Mr. Hempill, Mark Hempill. It is owned by his fraternity brother. Congratulations. It was, it was impeccable.
1: It was outstanding. And I gave um, you a little bit of the bread pudding. I did. Uh, the bread pudding was very good. It smelled delicious. I'm not a big oyster guy. Uh, I can eat it if it's if it's cooked and there's toppings on it. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I know people that just scarf down raw raw oysters. Yeah, I'm
0: not, no. I'm not there
1: yet. No. <laughs> it's a
0: steady process. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then uh, the last night we had Fezzi's, which is also another Italian place. And I had a uh, creamed shrimp pasta which was good we got there it, it had been sitting there for a little while so it was a little bit cold yeah. I, wish, I wish i'd been able to warm it up it, it was it was quite good and then you, you got it quite the quite the take-home
0: we needed patrick murphy to bring back the microwave that he yes. took out at some point it's <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain one time i looked patrick murphy was literally just taking a microwave out of the meeting room and i was like <laughs> where what all right, all right.
1: Well, because, that's, because that's his microwave all right. so
0: my meal from Fezzi's. i agree with you i picked two things. One, corn and crab chowder or corn and crab bisque, I think is what it was. Delicious. And it's easy to keep soup hot for a while. So it was real good when I got it. Right. It is extremely difficult to keep pasta hot and to keep dips hot for an extended amount of time. Mm -hmm. I got crawfish dip as well. That would have been better to me if it were coming out fresh, but because it was a team meal, we got it when we arrived back at the hotel. The day had been long. I don't know how long the company the restaurant uh, was there but probably for a while yeah so it, it's not really fault of anybody no it's just unfortunately know, it was just the the situation it's the way it is yeah also i was given five pounds of bread
1: pudding <laughs> they threw in bread pudding because we ordered so much yes stuff from for free them. right so appreciate that and people were, were able to get some uh but then there was a bunch left over it's like well we're leaving tomorrow so gray you're leaving now uh we're gonna throw this away unless you take it
0: so so at 9 30 p.m central standard time in the year of our lord 2022 i am lugging a board a backpack and a tub of bread pudding a tub and yes when i stopped for gas i did open it and have a little bit. <laughs> right it was real good mm-hmm. and i'm very excited to have some when you leave tom or you can have some i don't care i'll cook sure. some up for you all right yeah sounds good put it you. in the microwave all right Done. that i stole from the meeting room. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> okay so that's that's how i felt did you have anything else after i left
1: had mcdonald's breakfast on the way to nice. <laughs> that's about it not eligible for tom's right. hungry no so. not eligible uh also but i will say in a uh, in a almost uh, nod to nate searcy which we will will have uh very soon here on the podcast we did have the drive-through daiquiri experience oh wow i've got you nate and james in the car
0: mm-hmm. we pull up the menu that we were given by the waitress, Bartender, attendant, whatever she yeah, is. Yeah. I can't say on the air. No, I mean, technically I could because it's a podcast, but you know, I, I know a lot of you listen with your
1: kids. Right. Vulgar is, is what vulgar, they, right? Profanities within the name. Uh, although you, when you're looking at the menu, uh, it looks like a cookout menu for yes milkshakes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You It's know, doing all the different flavors. Uh, so that's why I just went with this strawberry banana but then you guys went with the with the special. We
0: went with the special right. and it
1: was very funny <laughs> ordering it. I was
0: tasked with it cuz I was the driver and then right. you know I put in my cup holder people we you know I wasn't chugging yeah. down yeah. the road. No, no, no. But then we took it back to the hotel and and got a little flack from a couple of people cuz I said, "Hey, tell yeah. us next time." Right.
1: And then again, we would have but we were frozen blocks of ice and didn't really want daiquiris after. Right. <laughs> for games on friday you
0: have one edition i need to make oh okay do it okay uh the habits family strikes again the Budan egg rolls were back oh yeah and yeah, whole yeah. i oh. had dreamed about that moment for three years and it was back and it was amazing chef's kiss amazing <laughs> they were
1: real and they were spectacular
0: yes a little cold because they'd been there for a while i didn't care yeah, did fine. not care i still yeah. had six mm-hmm yeah, those were really good. Bottom line, we were treated well, and we thank all of you, the co- deliverers of cookie cakes, the entire Habits clan, the, the children related to Allison Habits who laughed when I made fun of LSU on the float. Right. Just a, a great time. Thank you to everybody for your hospitality.
1: As much as we did complain about the weather, that's not, you know, that, that was unseasonably cold for, uh, for that area of Louisiana, nothing they could have any control over. But I thought, you know, considering everything involved, you know, other than putting the temporary fences at 215 and 230. I thought, I thought they did a really good job hosting the tournament, really enjoyed being in the Mardi Gras parade. So it was a lot of fun.
0: Okay. So that's the podcast. We've done it all, Tom. And now we prepare for what is a gauntlet, just a gauntlet
1: of stuff. Like I need to go sleep right now to kind of get ready for it.
0: Okay. So this episode will be dropping. You're listening to it. Came out on March the 2nd. Next week. We will not have a show early in the week. We will be going on the road to Baton Rouge, and I will announce our location. I will not announce the date because we still need the itinerary. But we will be recording the podcast at Uncle Earl's Bar in Baton Rouge. Thank you to Jordan Piazza, who is helping out, and Corey Dolan from the SEC, who made this happen. I've never
1: not had a good time in Baton Rouge, so I'm ready to go.
0: I have no idea what we're in for, whether Uh. there's food there just beverages unclear but we will talk softball there it'll be a shorter show i'm sure well i say that every time and then it turns Mm, out an hour and a half we will be doing an on the road show in baton rouge and then after that i don't know when we're going to record the podcast because we've got a trip to new orleans on monday sorry we're not recording that day we might be busy tuesday a game at southern miss wednesday a game against florida state just a little game against thursday no tom needs to spend time with his wife i'm not going to make you come in and
1: record thank you I also, <laughs> also we also have to get our taxes done because that's like the only oh. day that works for us to be able to do that thanks for that reminder yeah, and then forget. friday
0: saturday sunday kentucky so honestly i don't know what the the programming schedule is going to look like after the on the road show at worst we'll be back the monday or
1: tuesday after the kentucky series maybe we'll do a spaces or something right to- to appease the people I know yes want more out of the box content
0: you're all clamoring I know you are (laughs) right where can the people find us here this weekend and make sure you include our multimedia location
1: on Wednesday for UAB oh wow yes for radio broadcasts or radio coverage you'll be have every Alabama game as they all are every single one every single one since like
0: 2010
1: yes uh you can listen to us in Tuscaloosa 97.5 FM over the air uh, nick975.com streaming anywhere also the me tv 97.5 app uh, download that to your phone and, and you can stream every game we got that for you there so those places again just go to the rolltide.com uh, schedule page and there's a link to listen live there uh, also on all the social media posts there's always uh, a link to those uh, to those broadcasts and on Wednesday interestingly enough there will be streams there will be a stream of Alabama UAB. Uh, there will not be separate TV commentators, though. It'll be us. It'll yes. Be our are our broadcast. So let me just clue a lot of y'all
0: in. Wednesday, we've got men's basketball and baseball and softball all on campus, all pretty much at the same time. Right. A lot of stuff happening. Which is a just media hodgepodge and low-key kind of a disaster. <laughs> like, you look, so softball is getting the radio plug-in situation for Wednesday baseball is on the weekend That's just how it is sometimes you have to adjust to some things you know you only have so many control rooms so it's fine it's fine you will still be able to watch the game and you will be blessed with the opportunity to hear Tom and I discuss Alabama UAB right
1: so you got that going Uh, I would assume one of the weekend games uh, in the Crimson Classic there will also be the uh, Crimson Tide Sports Network booth cam coming in yes Uh, so that'll be available to you as well uh, all different ways that, that you can listen and watch all the games this weekend. And then as well, the three o'clock Eastern Illinois game on Monday. It's all uh, I'll be
0: with you on radio for that. Okay. We're to- together on Wednesday. I'm doing TV Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Kate Brooks, Cure Gold's team. We're all back. It's going to be a fun night. Friday is going to be really awesome. Saturday, I believe, is a sellout, yeah. which is incredible. Great job, Alabama fans. If you want tickets, talk to Emily Petech. But I don't think she has any for Saturday. Right now Because wow. people are gobbling them up. So a lot of ways to track the games, and you can always mute me and turn on Tom on the weekends because you can go back and watch mine. It's a little harder to go back and listen to <laughs> right. Tom's until yes. April.
1: That's what I say. Good segue there. I, a couple other people have asked me about the Varsity app. You're hearing the other Alabama sports on right now. Uh, softball will be on the Varsity app starting in April when we're on the full Crimson Tide sports network. Yes. Right now we're only in, on the local only uh, broadcast, so we're going straight to the Town Square people here in Tuscaloosa. Uh, starting in april we get on the full network like all the other sports and then we'll get beyond varsity where you can listen live go back and listen to the archive and everything all right so i think we have been clear enough with how people can track the game hopefully so and if you have any questions twitter
0: me at t canterbury and we will try not to be sarcastic and we no. all caps a response to you. We'll see, though. Depends. Very nice. I'm yes. at Gray G R A Y underscore Robertson. Follow the pod at Out of the Box underscore Pod. Shout out Kaylin Arnold, former Tennessee Lady Vol and Florida State Seminole follower of the podcast. Oh, cool. So, hello. Hi. <laughs> Thank you to our guests: Tara Henry, Emily P Tech Clifford, Jen Schroeder. Hashtag Twitterless Ashley. What fun! What this is? This is the chaos episode.
1: We've literally never sure. done an episode like this. Nuts! And also. Uh, shout out to all our new new listeners we got from Youngsville, Louisiana, who caught a sticker or a koozie from the from the float. All right, it's a busy weekend. It's a busy two weeks. Look, we'll talk
0: to you again at some point. We we need to sleep. My poster board budget, like there's no clarity. And what the schedule will be like. No. All we know is when the games are scheduled. So mm-hmm. make sure you tune in to all of those. Tom, let's get it rolling. Texas is coming to
1: town. It's lost a little bit of luster, but still a big time game. Uh, it's still huge. And it, it, I, I think at this point, it doesn't matter who Alabama's playing, it's in Rhodes. Uh, people are going to be there to see it it's going to be a great atmosphere Mm. all right i'm excited we'll see you when we party at Rhodes
0: this weekend for my partner tom canterbury i'm gray robertson enjoy all the softball conference plays coming up so relish the big time non-conference matchups while you can we'll see you next time on the out of the box podcast